around and turned around and said, It was harder! You were all right! Now he's playing one of all bits, slipping off the edges. Just sliding right off. Just, just play the original like I do. Oh, Keep I'm it old school. I'm just going to skip to Warped. <laughs> hey everybody! Hi, Dr. Nick! Welcome to Big Damn Cast. I am the third kidney stone from the left on the mantle in your creepy uncle's second house. I'm the collective ennui felt by sexist Doctor Who fans. We both smell delicious. <laughs> and we're here to bring you... Tat bollocks and nonsense. We're talking D23. Disney gave us a lot to chew over, so we'll uh, delve into that shortly. Mm-hmm. We're also normally talking long and hard, as you could probably imagine, about a certain topic. And we're not even going to say what it is, because you all want us to talk about it. Because you so know stick, what it is. Stick around. Stick around for it. We'll get around it. We'll be talking about Stan the Man Lee receiving some uh, long overdue praise. Uh, I'll say it long overdue. Yeah, he's always being he's praised. always getting praised. But the cemented is... praise. Hey. We'll talk about that later. Uh, we're also going to finish off our big damn spider month we're wrapping it up this weekend and uh, we're going to start with some spider recommendations because y'all have asked about what comic book stories to start with so we thought let's just wax about some of our favorite spidey tales uh but foist um bit of a sad note bit of another bum note we've lost another cult legend this week well two really um we did lose Martin Lando, who's we been did, in all sorts yeah. of genre bits and pieces, as well as, uh, most famously, the original Mission Impossible. Do you know what weirdly um, came, I was going to say, do you know what weirdly came to my mind before even that? What's that? Him as uh, Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood. Yes, well, that's what he won an Oscar for. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's um, great. But yeah, so that was weird that that was the first role that came to mind. But yeah, Martin Lando, of course. Uh, so yeah, a, a great oh. actor, um, a master of, of, of sort of, he's a chameleonic actor, but mm. also very distinctive. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was a shame. And in the same day, we also lost George A. Romero. A.K.A. Knight of, insert rest of your title here. Knight of, Dawn of, Day of, Plague of, Diary of, Survival of, Diary of, Diary of, Land of, George Shopping list of. He basically, he invented the modern zombie. Yeah. The, the modern zombie as we know it as a horror creature, that's that's George A. Romero's creation. Without Night of the Living Dead, the horror genre would be such a a different place. And across all media, I mean, imagine a world where Night of the Living Dead never came out, so that's none of the rest of that franchise. Uh, you can probably bet that we wouldn't have anything like 28 Days Later... You wouldn't get any creatures like the uh, Crypt Keeper and um, Tales of the Crypt, stuff like that, because people wouldn't be doing the decaying corpse as creature. They wouldn't really be doing Um, it. When it came to the Living Dead, we'd be stuck with just vampires and skeletons, pretty much. No Resident Evil games. No Resident Uh, Evil games. Or Dead Rising. Robert Kirkman doesn't sit down to write a single issue with The Walking Dead. No Walking Dead. Um, Some would say he's got a lot to bastard answer for. Throughout all of of this as well... (laughs) All his work, even though it was genre stuff, it was always had a strong streak of of, of political and social commentary, particularly yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Go watch the original Dawn of the Dead, and it, and in our in our modern late capitalist consumerist society, it still rings very very true. Why is it set um, in a mall? Why do they come to the mall? Because it's what they remember. They remember wanting to be there. Yes. They remember walking around aimlessly and yeah, it's just like, oh god. It's 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 
it's not quite on the nose. It's on the bloody stump where your nose was before it was bitten off. And if you know, if if you if you can't get a cull of a copy of Drawn the Dead, then just go to the Trapper Centre on Boxing Day. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, uh, George. <laughs> yes, George A. Romero um, and Martin Landau, big losses this week, and so we salute them. Bye, Jingo. Now. Now? Let's talk... Well, we just did, but now. What are you going to do? Do something else. Ah. Um, now. Now. D23. Is the winter. Oh, right, yeah. Now's not winter. Now's the middle of fucking summer, even though I got so wet <laughs> between the bus and my house today. I got wet to my boxer shorts but enough in about the space your... of seven minutes. But, but enough about enough your excitement of... to record this episode. Enough, about, <laughs> enough about British summers. Um... <laughs> <sighs> Last weekend, uh, in the much sunnier Anaheim, D23 2017 took place. Disney's biannual convention. Is it biannual? It's every two years. Yeah. Oh. It's every two years. It's, it's Disney's way of basically getting out the big news. It feels like it was only yesterday. No, I mean last year's, you swank. <laughs> um... It's every two years, and basically what they do is they get one up on San Diego by going, hey, guess what? You want some real exclusives for our stuff? Like, proper exclusives? Like, you only see it if you're here exclusives? Big up disney <laughs> That was their slogan. And uh, then, <laughs> come to D23. Now, <laughs> oh God, in a fortnight's time, uh, no, next week, so it'll be... Uh, San Diego Comic Con. So we'll be talking yes. about that next week, and yes. we can have time travel. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, that'll also link into Spider Month as well. Yeah, well, indeed, it dingles. Because we've still got a little oh, bit no, of yes, something. Some little bits and pieces to come. Yes. It'll be up sort of like the dessert, if you will. The Boxing Day leftovers. Oh yes, all meats. But um, <laughs> so. Essentially, um, we're going to get obviously bits and pieces about some of these franchises at San Diego Comic Con, but they've really got their platform and their own time and like not having to share halls with other things this weekend at D23. And we're just going to touch on five things that be worth noting about. Two video game, one sort of video game, and two Mavai. 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 But before we start that, actually, I really oh. I forgot to save the graphic because oh. I'm an absolute bloody idiot. Oh, he's 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 going off script, guys. He's I am off but... off script, ladies and gentlemen. They... We're in uncharted territory. We don't I don't know what's going to happen, but he's he's uh, consulting the almighty hand slate. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten to save the image the, where they basically put up the almighty apple hand slate. The what? The the the, the <laughs> magic rectangle from the people at, at Appel. What are you saying? Uh, they put up. Oh god! Do you know what's worse? I'm searching this in Safari, so I've got Bing, and Bing hasn't brought me the Bing. thing I need. But the Bing that that Peter Parker uses in the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Which then he changes to Google in the sequel because he realised Bing was shit. It's a pile of wank. <laughs> um, here we go. So uh, Bing it. Part of the. <laughs> As part of the announcements, they released. Oh, that's a blurry copy. What is this tip? You are you are actually losing me right now. I will recover a better version for you. No. Uh, essentially, what they did as part of the con- convention, they also released their movie slate for uh, the next two years. Is that the new Disney proprietary streaming device? Uh, no, this is <laughs> the Disney movie slate. It's the only way to watch Disney movies on streaming services. You swine! No, 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 no. The Disney Slate. 
Nine, 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 nine. Jesus, how much is going to cost? I can't find. <laughs> Good copy of it. I've just been giving images of the twist. So this is why just I should have said Tell me, Don Miguel. Tell me of El Diablo. I knew that was coming. Right. I will use the blurred photograph as Everdwans. Alright, Everdwans. This is their release slate for the next All right. two years. Alright. Yeah, get it, get um, it, get it on my face. So next Disney movie out this year is Thor Ragnarok. You later in the year. Boy. Followed by Disney Pixar's Coco. Okay. The Day of the Dead Festival. Okay. Uh, followed Christmas by Star Wars: The Last Jedi. So I'm I'm so jazzed for that. Now this is next year's slate. Black Panther kicks it off. Oh yeah, that looks amazing. Then Disney's adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time, which uh, based on the trailer released D23, features some horrific costumes and deviations mm. from the material. Yes. Then we get part one of Disney is uh, Marvel's is Star Wars is Avengers is Infinity War. <laughs> Known as Infinity War. Yeah. Then we get the still untitled Han Solo Star Wars story. It's going to come out and be called Still Untitled. I should Han Solo so. film. That'd be great. Just call it Lando. Lando. Oh, what if it's um, a Lando film in disguise? <laughs> Um, then we get this one I'm so excited for. The Incredibles 2. Yes, which apparently is going to pick up straight after the end of Incredibles 1. Yep, which means that crappy PS2 game Rise of the Underminer is now non-canonical. Also, can we just take a moment to appreciate that Underminer might be one of the best villain names (laughs) ever. Oh, God. Then, the heroics continue. Ant-Man and the Wasp, middle of next year. That's just started shooting, hasn't it, as well? It has, and I cannot wait. They really, they revealed some banners, some of the like banners dangling down the convention centre in that area, unveiled what Wasp's costume looks like, but no one's got a clear photo of it. So they oh. said they're going to wait for SDA, uh, San Diego Comic-Con to uh, get like some better images. And Walton Goggins is in it as well. Who? Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins? Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins? You've seen The Hateful Eight? Yes. He's, 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 he's the, new, the new sheriff... Who no one, one of the two is the who sheriff. makes it toward yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, that's Walton Goggins. <laughs> um, then we get Wreck It Ralph. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> Whose logo is kind of brilliant? It's an app with a little two on it. Oh, like that's so good. That's so good. That is kind of great. Uh, then we're getting uh, Disney presents the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. I have no other information on that. That sounds interesting. Rounding out the Disney release schedule next year, their Christmas release is Mary Poppins Returns. With Emily Blunt. Yeah, and apparently some footage shown, because they, again, they showed some footage at the convention, yeah, yeah. Uh, got a standing ovation in the middle of the montage when very briefly it showed, spoiler alert, cover your ears for 20 seconds. Don't cover your ears. Dick Van Dyke dancing on a tabletop oh! in a sequence. So, everyone's like, wait, does that mean Bert's in it? Or have they just given him a really cool like moment as a cameo? I would imagine if they've recast Mary, they'll have recast Bert. Ah, Lin-Manuel Miranda's character is not Bert. He is a similar character. Because... Because so, when they first announced him, I was like... From what I remember... Okay, I can kind of see that. And then they've revealed his character's name and that he is a lamplighter. He's not Bert. From what little I know of the Mary Poppins... Mary Poppins expanded Mary universe. Mary Poppins or Because there are many, many books. Mm-hmm. Bert is a similar sort of... Yeah. Of, per, of creature... Yeah. Spirit, yes, to Mary, he's sort of ageless but, and magical. But the way Disney sort of presented him was he was stationary; he was mm. there, so he he'd seen her come and go. Um, I think their implication being that 
he's of a similar ilk. He knows about all this, you know, extra wonderful magical 2D animated stuff, of which there will be a sequence in the new movie, a hand-drawn 2D animated, them inserted into it sequence. But I hate cartoons! Get out of my dreams! Um, you seem to have Mr. Banks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Poor A.A. Milne, she says, even though that deal was done many years after Fucking, hers. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Emma Thompson is wonderful at that movie, but Jesus, P.L. Travers must have been insufferable. Oh, yeah. Oh, I read more into it when I saw that film. Oh, I was like, wow, Jesus. you sound like a horrible person to try and do business with. Yeah. But it also wasn't as whimsical and romantic as Walt turning up at her front door in London. Oh, no, 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 stuff through. no, no, no. Uh, he did come to the UK. They did romanticize it, it wasn't that like, somewhat. yeah. I think it's a really well told movie. The stuff with the father and the backstory was like gorgeously done with Colin Farrell and everything. Yeah. Um, starting off 2019's Disney release slate. Oh now keep days. in mind the last time we were presented with, with the two year ahead, that two years ahead has changed. Uh, this two year ahead includes one of the movies that was due out this year, the previous time they did that. But the 2019 release slate is... Captain Marvel kicking the year off. Boy or girl in this case. Yeah. The live action Dumbo, which I still don't get. Timbo Tim Burton, isn't it? Yeah. Timbo's Dumbo. Don't get it. Uh, a as yet untitled and unrevealed Disney Toon Studios picture. Disney Toon used to be the studio that would make the Saturday morning cartoons in the late nineties, early two thousands, and the straight to DVD video films. They were turned into Disney Toon a while back, and now they their, their most recent endeavours have been the Tinkerbell movies and Planes, and Planes 2, Fire and Rescue. Oh. So it could be a theatrical release for another Planes movie. I hear it those could also movies be... are, like, fine for, Tom, for, like, young kids. Yeah, I've seen a bit of one where Tom Hiddleston plays a young Captain Hook, and it's shit. <laughs> but... The animation... The animation is pretty damn great, so... You know, good on them. <laughs> I was just watching it, I was like, oh god, is that meant to be young Captain Hook? He sounds like Tom Hiddleston. This is shit. So I'll change the channel. <laughs> I'd love to get on the po- I'd love to get that on the poster just to see how they'd write it. Despite Tom Hiddleston. Chris Johnson, big damn cast. It's shit. Well, more on Tom Hiddleston later. Oh. Then Less good on sir. Tom Hiddleston, please. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, god. <laughs> He's an attractive man. Then at the start of the summer movie season, Avengers, uh, it says now Avengers Untitled, so it's obviously the follow-up to Infinity War. Again, they're just going to release it and it's going to be called Avengers Untitled. Well, they've said, there is a trend here, well, they have said that the title of it will be revealed after the release of Infinity War, because the title of the second part would give away an element of the first part. New Avengers. Uh, it'd be weird if the title was Avengers New Avengers. Everyone is Thanos. No, I think it's going to be, I think it would be Avengers. The Avengers um, are all dead. No, um, I thought I thought it'd just be Infinity Gauntlet, like just implying that the second yeah, that part can't is more be because of a direct we adaptation. already know what the Infinity Gauntlet is. I know, but like if, seen if it. the second also were like title wise, that'd be kind of crap. Infinity War, Infinity Glove, Infinity um, Glove. So we'll see. Um, then Toy Story Four, which now they've revealed a few more details about. I'm less reluctant to see this. Apparently, it'll be a road trip movie. It's set. A while after the end of number three, so they're not with um, Bonnie or whatever she was called. They're with mm. another kid now. Oh. Yeah, hand-me-down, hand-me-down, hand-me-downs. Oh. Seems a bit odd. Um, but it's a road trip movie. It's about like them 
getting uh, brought along on a, on a road trip in a, a motorhome. So I'm sort of like, okay, that's a bit different, but I hope it isn't two of them get separated and have to find their way back, because that was the plot of the first film, and sort of the plot of the second film. And sort of the plot of the third film. Yeah, so that'd be stupid. Then, the last uh, movie to be released in the summer season of 2019 is the as-yet-fully-titled Star Wars Episode Nine. So that'll be a summer movie that year, as opposed to a Christmas movie. That'll slip to Christmas. Because I think they've realised that they own December if they bring it out in December. Well, they have they have, they have, have your autumn and winter covered, good sir. Oh, all right. What have they covered it in? Weirdly, two of their live-action remakes and one animated original. Okay. Lion King. Don't understand why they're doing a live-action Lion King. Neither do I, but according according to the people who saw the footage at D23, maybe they were just high off dental, high off their tits on dental cream and sherbet lemon. But Dental cream. Well, you know, it's strong, isn't it? Dental um, cream! They When you're waiting in line that long, you're going to bring some toiletries with you. Um, anyway. Dental! <laughs> they said it looks absolutely stunning. I still don't understand why it's live-action. And the thing that annoys me the most is it's Jon Favreau doing it, and I'm like, no, you've greenlit Jungle Book 2. I want to see that. Yeah, get... I want to see that now. What if... What if... Which is, is, is happening, but it'll be in 2020, I imagine. Is, what it is Jungle Book Oh, too. my God. How's Mowgli traversed Jungle from Book India two. to Africa? Um, he, him and Blue just went on a road trip. It's a road trip movie. I know. Blue's, like, doing his back his back um, stroke thing. Mowgli fell asleep on his belly. And four years later, they've conveniently woken up in a different continent. They're connected, sort of. <laughs> They'd have to go up and round. All your favourite characters are back there. All uh, your favourite characters. They would make it over here. Everyone's come to Africa. They also announced that Scar is being performed by Hugh Jackman. No, that was revealed to be fake news. Really? Yes. Oh. Well, now I feel like a dick. But not as much of a dick as I'll feel if I get dragged along to Frozen 2, which is the next winter release of that year. I'd watch Frozen 2. I would watch you watch Frozen 2 from a distance. Good sir. That can be arranged. I just think it's so dumb that we've had... Uh, it says so much that like Disney's original film... Like, they have one film each year that is their, like... You know, Walt Disney Pictures presents that they're original. They're Walt Disney classics. And two of them in a row are going to be sequels. Are so just boring to me give the people what they want Christopher Ugh, and they what? want Frozen 2 no I want more stuff like Princess and the Frog and Moana that's what I want god damn it okay but then rounding off the year this is the one live action remake out of the three coming out that year that I am kind of excited about because I'd like to see their take on it Mulan ends that year where's Aladdin fit into this Aladdin's 2020 uh, okay yeah, which is why it's so odd that it's been making headline news and stuff. Now. Yeah, with the Will Smith genie and the casting of um, the man whose name I can't remember as as um, Aladdin. Himself. But, but put it this way: the man who's the man who is relative unknown, which is the smart decision because yeah, you're casting yeah. him in his character. The people have a very clear image of their head of what that character's like, so you should always cast an unknown when it comes to roles like that. At least he didn't get Jake Gyllenhaal again. Yeah, oh Christ, I don't know. Um, and also, I'm trying to remember the actress's name, but. I think I think of her as the Pink Ranger because that's the last thing we yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, There's Jasmine, and she'll be great. Something Scott? No, me Scott. That's it. No, me Scott. Will Smith is the genie. I'm just like, uh, okay. Well, I guess you have to do it differently. Uh, the Broadway show takes a great like a uh, choice and decides to make it more of a Cab Calloway esque showman, who's occasionally pop culture referency, but not obviously in a Robin Williams way. I wonder if Will Smith's genie is just going to come out of the lamp every time, just basically go. 
Ha-ha! That's it. That's his thing. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Dirty that. So let's get out of the nitty nitty gritty. Big wheel. That's all longer than I wanted. Let's get out of the I'm so very sorry, but uh, I'm also not. So, Spider-Man for PS4 and Somniac released a new bit of footage of part of D23, revealing some of the behind-the-scenes process behind the yeah. game. It contained no new footage, but, but a lot of the team basically going... We yeah. like Spider-Man. Yeah, well, the opening thing is, the best thing about making a Spider-Man game is you're making a Spider-Man game. The worst thing about making a Spider-Man game is you're making a Spider-Man game. <laughs> it was like, okay, at least you're being honest. Normally they'd cut stuff like this out, so I'm glad that like they've opened the thing with... Yeah, this is yeah. difficult, and we're putting a lot of work behind it. Oh, he's an older Spider-Man. He's 23. Yeah, that... Would you know what was weird for me? Like, they made a point of that, and people were going, oh, so it's going to be a bit different, a bit later in his career. And the thing is, I grew up in the 90s, so mm. I grew up with Spidey being in his early to mid-20s. So to me, I'm just right. like, oh, shit, we've not had one like this since um, Web of Shadows, really. Okay, He's been cool. Spider-Man for eight years. Like, Shadow Dimensions, okay. Edge of Time, I think was the last time we had a game, like, those two are in the same continuity, sort mm. of. That was the last time we had a game where he was, you know, 20-something Peter Parker. So I'm just really like, like oh, cool. Shadows. And also I like that because it means you can get away with having a bit more tech and stuff because he's older and is able to make that stuff. Tech and Tech and stuff. Um, I've seen mentioned somewhere of Horizon Labs being a part of that world. Yeah, that makes sense. Which I would love as it is a part of the new upcoming it, animated show as well. It does seem like they're pulling from... Dan Slot's run quite a bit. Uh, no, well, Dan Slot's and, and the Brain Trust run that came just before that because yeah. that's where Mr. Uh, Lee... Martin Lee, Martin Lee. Negative came. Oh, up. Negative is one of uh, Dan's, though, I believe. Did Dan, did Dan create? Yeah, he, he, and and also, oh, is the is it Detective Watanabe? Watanabe. The, the the one who's um. Yeah. Oh God, what's her? She's also the Wraith. Wraith, that's it. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to come into play in the game. If so, there are going to be so many like sort of casual Spider-Man fans going, "Who are these people?" Oh my! Um, oh, oh, oh. It's going to come into play exactly as much as the Creeper slash Jack Ryder came into play in the Arkham games. Well, like they'll allude to it, and that's probably it, yeah. pretty much. Okay. God, you're such a Creeper have Rider. You, have you ah, she said it! Did she you, said it! Did you know they've done a Creeper DC animated figure? Yes. Yeah. It looks pretty it? sweet. No, I don't have that one. It, it was, I think it was in like the second or third wave. It was quite early I remember on. seeing it the other day and thinking of you. The Creeper! Yeah. Um. So yeah, that'll be... That'll be a cheeky little bit of summit. Yeah, uh, well, in terms of other game footage, they also whipped out their great big keyblade of a dick. Oh, for that game that's never coming out? No, it's got a release date. They've committed to it now. <laughs> They've, they, haven't, they haven't given... Square Enix hadn't given a definitive release date for the previous trailers. What started as comedy laughter has actually snowballed into him crying. <laughs> You're right, Square Enix have committed to a date. Fuck off. Oh, God. <laughs> They're saying it's going to be out in 2018, which I, means it might be out in 2019. Either that or Disney have put a gun to their head and gone, you need to hurry up. Well, no, Tetsuya Nomura is the game director, whose games always take about a decade to come out. Has turned around and said, "Oh well, you know, it's Square Enix's fault for not giving me enough staff and and changing the game engine halfway through development to use the Unreal <laughs> Engine Four. Like this game's been in development for like twelve years. Yeah. All your games take that long, Tetsuya Nomura. 
All our games are belong to us. Yeah. Eventually. Just get it out the fucking door because I want to play that Toy Story level. Yeah, they whipped out a bunch of st- footage of Sora, Donald and Goofy arriving in a world where they've been turned into little wooden dolls. And it's very clearly Andy's bedroom and it's an adventure taking place in the world of Toy Story. Pros. Buzz, Woody, Rex and Co. look like they are literally coming straight out of the movie. The animation is beautiful. The textures of the room are exactly like the films. Exactly like you remember them. And I don't mean that in the video game way of like, oh, it's exactly like you remember it. No, it looks like a Toy Story movie that just seems to be really boringly directed when it gets to the dialogue scenes. <laughs> but like, it's it's phenomenal the way they move and everything. Buzz looks like Buzz. The downside is Goofy, Donald and Sora have obviously had to go with a world makeover. Their makeover is wooden toys and their wooden toys look like weird Kai Arts, like play figure insertions into Toy Story. They don't look right. As I imagine, the Heartless will probably look weird in in the, the world of it as well. Mm. It's, it sort of reminds me of um, of the Tron and Pirates of the Caribbean stages in Kingdom Hearts 2, where yeah. they, were suddenly, they were suddenly dealing with realistic-looking people and worked. And Sora, Goofy, and Donald looked hilarious in that world. <laughs> so, but yeah, 2018, TBC. Uh, sticking with video games to a degree, Wreck-It Ralph uh, 2. Bridging Ralph, the gap. Ralph breaks the internet. Well, break the bridge, sir. Breaking the internet bridge. Uh, that was the internet out. bridge breaking. You ready? <laughs> He's going to wreck it. Break it. Uh, wreck it. That's coming out next year. And, and it was an extended bit of footage shown at D23. They've announced that um, John C. Riley and Silver Silverman are back as uh, Ralph and Vanellope, respectively. Uh, Jane Lynch is back as her character from the first one. Which means we'll also be getting Fix It Felix! I believe so. Alan Tudjik is also in it too, but they have confirmed he's not playing King Candy and his role is not throwaway. So it's not like just a cameo of the villain. Basically, they just have to put Alan Tudjik in everything they make. He's in Big Hero 6. He's in um, Frozen somewhere. He's in uh, in Moana. Uh, He's in all of them now. Like he's, He's their thing. Um, he's their go-to guy. He's in Rogue One. He's in freaking Rogue, Rogue One. So um, not any Marvel stuff yet, has he? Not yet. But I think that might have been because he was in Powerless. So they're probably holding <laughs> off a bit just oh, to yeah. see. Yeah, uh, that's um, yeah. So, yeah. That, 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 that happened. But um, part of the extended preview showed a bit. The, 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 the basic plot is uh, what's um, Vanellope's game called? Uh, Candy uh, Sugar Rush Sugar Rush that's it uh, so Sugar Rush uh, the machine has broken down so the world is folding in on itself and the replacement part needed isn't being provided by the arcade staff but the arcade's now got Wi-Fi so they find a way to jump into the internet <laughs> on a system in the arcade and find that you can just get it from a, a website you can just buy the part but they're going to have to traverse through the internet to get there so oh. uh, it's kind of a simple plot that could when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's going to be really cringe-worthy. Wait, next month a film's coming out called The Emoji Movie. I think Wreck-It Ralph's probably going to handle this with much more care. Well, also, look at how all the gaming references were in the original Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Like, it's it's really smart. Handled with care and love. Yeah. Um, a big chunk of the movie, at least one set piece, will take place... Handled with care, love in, and Zangief. ...in the website Oh My Disney. And they showed some footage of that, both animatics and CGI. But included in that footage was uh, then one of the website uh, oh users my. trying to make their designing their avatars to look like a Marvel superhero um, stormtroopers patrolling a convention like floor where everything was taking place yes yes uh, Baymax giving a Q&A yes and 
Vanellope wandering backstage into the green room where a boatload of the Disney princesses rendered in CGI and voiced by their original actors are all hanging out and bitching about each other. <laughs> yes. And that was the sequence that was shown. So you've got like Ariel talking to Moana and Mulan and Tiana and just like, okay, that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> like they've gone, look, we get it. Last time you had to watch video game characters and lots of Disney fans probably were like, I don't care about this. Well, here you go. Now it's your turn. It's a bunch of Disney characters in one scene. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But the footage was, um, it was like everybody was off their tits on dental floss. Yes. So what about, what happened to the dental, what happened to the dental cream? Ran out. <laughs> Ran out. How do you get high on dental floss? It's the flavoured stuff. You just rub it like really vigorously, but not enough to shatter the gum and break the, break the flesh. You just gotta make sure you keep holding it down so that all the stuff stores the flesh. I must break you. Let the dental floss rend your flesh. Um, now speaking of rending flesh, um, do you know what? You know what tends to cause a lot of bloodshed? Wars, and we're going to talk about two of them. By wars is one of these wars in the stars. Not really. There, was, it, there wasn't one in the last. Is film. it? Is there it a stars there? wars? No. Oh no! There wasn't really a Star Wars then, in the last film, was there? Why is it called? Why is it called Star Wars then? Brand recognition. <laughs> so, are we excited uh, for the Last Jedi? I'm excited. Based for the Last on Jedi. the uh, behind-the-scenes <laughs> footage that showed up on D23, a tasty little behind-the-scenes that showed us real. nothing and yet so much. Yet showed us a shit ton of location in part, loads of costumes in soft focus, like a buttload of setups for shots. Without any context. Some lovely and animatronics. Lots of, and lots of crew walking through the set yeah. so you don't get the full sense of it. Love the animatronics. Some nice early CGI. Um, some slow motion explosion effects on set. It's a rap! It's a rap! And the rap shit, the, the, the rap of the film <laughs> being called Bad Morak Bar. Um, with a bunch of little talking heads moments with a lot of the cast. Although no Oscar Isaac, I was a bit miffed about that. I wanted well, to see, you know, you've got to... I wanted to see some beautiful Oscar you've Isaac. You've got to space out the sexy. <laughs> you know, he's currently playing um, Hamlet. I can believe On Broadway. That. Alongside um, Keegan-Michael Key as um, uh, Horatio. Is that Horatio? No. Isn't yes, it? yeah. The ratio is a character in Hamlet. I'm very terrible with my names when it comes to Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, I'm better at my names when it comes to Star Wars, like Plo Koon. Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him, Horatio. A fellow of infinite jest, etc., etc., etc. Ah, I don't think it was etc., etc., etc. No, but I can't remember the rest of the speech. You were damn close for that first half. <laughs> Top marks, sir! Top marks! As a reward, you may tell us what your favourite part of the Last Jedi teaser footage was. Carrie Fisher. Oh... I know, they ended it with her, and it was just this really sweet little moment. But they kept putting her throughout it, lots of little moments of her on set, like having a laugh with people and giving people hugs. Because they wanted to punch us in the feel bags, I think. Carrie Fisher. Do you think the In Memory of Carrie Fisher should come up before A Long Time Ago in a Galaxy Far, Far Away, or at the very end of the movie? Or be- I, it don't, come I up- don't think you could do it at the start of the credits, because that movie... Those movies traditionally yeah. end in an oomph of... Dun, 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 dun. I don't think it'd be appropriate. It'd have to come up before the uh, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think you do the Lucasfilm logo, then in dedication, 
Yeah. And then a long time ago in the galaxy. And if you don't away, do it, I'm going to be very upset. No, you won't. You'll be, you'll, you'll be upset in retrospect, but then you'll be like, oh, a title crawl. We didn't see that in the last time we watched a Star Wars yeah. movie. I clapped. I clapped when I saw it. <laughs> um, now let's talk about another war. Ooh, baby. Ooh. Uh, yes, let's, let's. A war of infinity? Minor spoilers. This is going off of the description of the footage shown for Avengers Infinity War. Tell me. don't want any spoilers. Tell me what people saw in this footage, Christopher. Skip ahead a couple more. Apparently, they showed a mini teaser taster of sorts. A mini teaser taster? A mini teaser taster. Which began with the Guardians flying what a lot of the um, websites incorrectly reported as the Milano. Um, no, they weren't. <laughs> that shit got torn up. They're flying, a, they're flying the front half of a Ravager ship. Yeah, yes. that's what they're flying. Yes. The Guardians flying through it's space. It's the Milano 2. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Um, and amongst the debris hitting the front of the ship uh, at one point... In, is Thor battered, bruised, clearly weakened, all short-haired, probably shortly after the events of Thor Ragnarok. So they bring him on board the ship. Mantis wakes him up with her abilities, and he's like, the hell are you people? Um, then we cut to some montage footage of various bits of, of fighting going on with Thanos voiceover by Josh Brolin. A whole Brolin. lot of fighting going. Josh Brolin's a big man, isn't he? He is. Like, he's... I think he's trying to go, basically look imposing he looks like he's hewn from rock yeah well like Thanos but he's not a giant nine foot tall purple man so he's like I'm gonna look the closest like to that I can in real life <laughs> I'm gonna have a jar of granite he has um, got a jar of granite amongst the footage is Wanda the Scarlet Witch ducking away from blue beams that are blowing up everything around her and eradicating materials oh those blue beams and those issues, well, fucking blue beams when was the last time we saw specifically blue beams in an Avengers movie uh, the bl- Avengers blue beams yeah Hydra Tech Hydra Weapons which were all powered by blue beams the Tesseract Bl- blue, in the footage, blue beams. we see who's shooting at her, and it is Loki strolling through the destruction, holding the cosmic cube and blasting shit. Oh, blasting shit with the Tesseract. Yes, so Loki's getting his hands dirty again on the side of the bad guys. Ooh, I just want me cosmic cube, please. We see Peter Parker's, this is what the descriptions have said, spider sense going off on a school bus as the fight begins downtown. Spider school, spider school sense. Spider sense confirmed in the MCU. Everyone take a shot. He already has... They just they just didn't really show it. He, but they confirmed it. They confirmed it in Civil War. Yeah, he has like He wears the goggles sense. to focus. Cause yeah. It, it, yeah. But that's because they're expecting us to know what he's got, really. Yeah, you don't need... But, to, but they've given Spider-Man it, has Spider-Sense. They've given the Spider-Sense a hero moment in this movie. Okay. Sort of go, there it is. He has Spider-Sense, everyone. Yeah. Fucking now, nerds. fuck off. <laughs> um, so that happens. What else? Uh, Guardians and Iron Man apparently equipping up. Suiting up for something. Iron Guardians. We see Peter in the costume from the end of Homecoming. I don't like that costume. But if you're going to be fighting outside of uh, the atmosphere, you should probably wear something metallic. I still don't like it, though. Fair play. It'll probably get destroyed. Yay! Along with the guy inside it. No. No, because he's got some sequels, hasn't he? Um, So, yeah. Uh, We see Thanos fighting Thor and Doctor Strange in the trailer footage. Um, Thokter range and there's also apparently a shot of the Black Panther um, the Winter Soldier and Captain America like fighting somewhere alongside each other Captain America specifically like in civvies with longer hair and a beard which I imagine you'd get from being in hiding it's going full nomad 
But I want to see like Ant Man and everybody has suddenly got beards. Like, like everyone has. Like a Sharon beard. Carter's got a beard. Sharon Carter has a beard. <laughs> like, no, Sharon Carter. Like is... Scarlet Witch has got a beard. Sharon Carter is a beard. <laughs> for Steve Rogers, who should totally be with Falcon. He should totally be with Falcon. Cut the check. Um, but then, what if he's with? <laughs> should he be with Bucky? No, no. Bucky, Bucky's his best gal. Yes, but him and Falcon, like, I'm sorry, but the flirting's off the charts. They are a cute couple. On your left, he'll say as he comes in to spoon him. Sorry, I've got to go and update my Tumblr. I'd masturbate furiously. <laughs> As the droplets hit the keys, um, oh, that'd be the key words. So yeah, that's that's all we know so far. Will we see more of this footage in the in the coming week? No footage leaked out. Um, they were very strict on security, and I think that's fair. Like people paid money to go to that convention. It's cool that D twenty three has managed to keep it in. It's like if you're here, you get to see it first. But they always tend to reassure the the outside world. You're gonna see it soon. Don't worry. Disney just edging it. Yeah, deep. Oh. I think, I think I'm going to edge it. I think I'm going to edge it. I think I'm just edge it. But... So that's it for now. Um, but one thing that happened at D23, yeah, worth noting, was uh, the Disney Legends-like inductions. Uh, and amongst the names inducted were Mark Hamill. Yeah. Huzzah! Um, he's a legend. He's a legend by Jim. Jack Kirby, obviously oh, posthumously, Jack but he got a big King old... Kirby. The King. He got a big old praise session, which was really nice. And his I son collect, should. His son collected the uh, award on, on his you know late father's behalf and everything. Yeah. Um, and keeping with the comics theme, uh, one of Kirby's partners in crime from back in the day, Stan the Man Lee. Stan. Got inducted. But that's not the only award he received this past week. He was also properly inducted into the uh, Chinese theatre's um, like Hall of Fame with the famous like you know cement handprints and footprints outside Grom's Chinese theater in Hollywood. <laughs> Just the other day, Hollywood stand. Hollywood. Um, I I'm terrified that this sudden burst of like recognition and solidifying of, of certifications means he's sort of looking to wind down now. He doesn't do conventions overseas anymore. He, the, when I saw him at LFCC a couple of years ago, they'd announced that would be his last um, like scheduled big appearance in the UK. Uh, that's not to say he won't visit the UK and maybe you know do talks and things like that, but he wouldn't be doing you know conventions in the traditional sense of the yeah. UK anymore. Um, and I was worried back then of, oh God, is he starting to wind down business-wise? And he had shortly before that had a pacemaker put in. Yeah. But then was happily like tweeting and talking about it for weeks afterwards, going like, like my good friend Tony Stark, I'm seeking to improve myself through technology every day. <laughs> uh, I think I've done oh. one. I've one up Iron Man by having actual like heart surgery. You don't catch Robert Downey Jr. going that far. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like so that never stopped him. And then after the con appearances, he was still doing stuff. And then there was the re- but there was the recent news last year that a batch of his cameos have already been planned and filmed for the Marvel movies. Yeah, uh, we've seen some of them so far: Doctor Strange, um, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and Guardians Two are um, three of them. One of the other ones has been revealed to have been his cameo in the Guardians breakout ride in Disneyland's California Adventure. So he's got one other one that he filmed that day out of the five they shot, uh, which will probably be in Black Panther or Thor Ragnarok. It'd be Thor Ragnarok, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, of course. Because they've not filmed like, oh, these are all the only ones he's doing, but it does make you wonder, uh, is he winding down? Is he planning professionally to wind down now? 
Um, I mean, so we'll see. I mean, he's I'll, 94, yeah. year, 93, he's 94 years. He's a noctogenarian. They've been travelling two days without food or water. She's 11. He's fucking 90. <laughs> he's fucking 90. The so, man uh, has done so much. Yeah, and continues to do so much. I wouldn't be surprised if he went, I'm going to call it a day now and just spend money and sit by a pool. <laughs> he's Stan fucking Lee. He gave us the Spider-Man. He gave me the clap. Others. Well, you know, he's been around a bit. Um, <laughs> he, he said, take that, Spider-Friend. <laughs> take that, Spider-Friend. Take that, Spider-Friend. Oh, no. Take it, Spider-Friend. Well, I really okay. meant yes. Um, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Spider-Man comic books. Let's do that, good sir, kind sir. Stan Lee, in 1962, with Steve Ditko. Shut like, out... Spider-Man. <laughs> He's a teenager. Like a spider like a spider punk. He was really a fly character, wasn't he? Yeah, he like saw a... a fly crawling up his office wall and he thought, that's a superpower we've not done before. Which is like how the super... is how Stanley came up with all his superpower ideas. He, he, looked, <laughs> at, he looked out of his window and pictured something in the street in New York. Like, I think that, that, when he... There's a man with a pneumatic drill. Drill man! What was like with with the... put him in chaos to astonish Iron Man? Like he was talking about, this is like a suit of armor, and then when it came yeah. to him flying, it's because he said he just pictured looking at the office window one day and seeing like that armor flying through the streets, and and, and the same with Spider Man. It came from a fly on the wall, and then the idea of oh my god, imagine like an insect superhero running around New York. That'd be amazing. And he was also big on teenage like superheroes. He, he was like, we should do that. Like no one's done that, and it was his publisher at the time, Martin Goodman, who notoriously, when you look back at any stories that Martin Goodman's mentioned in, bit of a fucking idiot, really. Yeah. Like, nearly every story. <laughs> bit of a knob. Nearly every story is him going, you're a fool, that'll never work. That'll never work. And and then they do it despite him, and then it works. And then he's like, great, sell more books, Stan. Yeah. Sell more books, Stan. Oh, see? On, see? Um, and Spider-Man was again one of those it was a dying it was a dying um, short stories book called Amazing Adult Fantasy they knew they were killing off uh, Stan had just had a successful run with um, Fantastic Four Fantastic and the Hulk and Iron Man yeah. and the uh, the X-Men X-Men um, wasn't actually a massive success when it first came out uh, for the first few issues it did okay didn't it but yeah. then it faded and people didn't get it or, it became, pe- it became or a... people felt or people understood the underlying messages that yeah. it inspired and went we don't approve of this we're Strictly Christian, like we don't approve of this sort of nonsense. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. And then when it rocked back up in the seventies, as uh, uncanny, it, it found its place. Didn't well, it? it was a reprint title for a while, for a few years. Yeah, and then reprinting stories, and then, until... and then in the nineties, it whipped its big old dick out and took over. But um, yeah, Stan, like you think that Martin Goodman would be up for anything Stan pitched at this point, but he pitched Spider Man, and Martin was like, "No, people hate spiders. They don't want the teenagers to be the hero. They should be the sidekicks." And, um, yeah, it's just creepy. Don't bother. So, again, Stan, like, consulted with the only person who made sense back then, his wife, Joan, who, again, reiterated similar advice as to what she did with Fantastic Four a year prior. And it was, that book's being cancelled. Just stick it in there. Like, what's he going to do? But, but <laughs> what about the book? The book died, so... <laughs> Amazing adult fantasy became amazing fantasy for its last issue. The cover star was the amazing Spider-Man. And the book was still cancelled. But funnily enough, that last issue outsold any issue of the series ever. 
to the point where news agents and, and you know paper stores were writing into Marvel Comics asking if they had more prints of that issue because mm. kids were asking to read it. So Martin Goodman went, right, we'll do one better. All right, Stan, write a series for the Spider Kid. You can do it. So The Amazing Spider-Man started off in 1963 with one of the dullest covers ever. Um, they don't suspect my true power. Just stuck to a window on the outside. Like Gen- the, the cover is like this weird, pervy, voyeuristic picture of the Fantastic just Four. Gently pressing his yeah, he's slowly not, he's growing like, erection against the glass. He's not even like perched on it. He's just flat on I'm it. I'm discovering my sexuality. He's just edging it. He's edging I'm, his Spider-Verse. I'm going to bring up the cover for you now. He's edging his Spider-Verse. Edge that Spider-Verse. And if I remember correctly, it's got a caption on it as well, like they used to do in the early 60s, where they'd overflow the front cover with arrows and captions. And the caption's something like, it's oh, using man. like the most fiendish foe ever printed or whatever, the chameleon, and it's like... I got, I got, the, I got the, first ish, uh, the first volume of Masterworks here on my on my tablet, and the yeah. covers that have to be seen to be believed. So many arrows, so many curved arrows, so many big, little, big old words. Two great feature-length Spider-Man thrillers! Speech Bubble, the Fantastic Four think I'm trapped, but they don't suspect my real power... <sighs> Bar on the bottom, extra added attraction, Spider-Man meets the Fantastic Four as the Chameleon Strikes. Da-da-da-da. That's all on one cover. It is. What What is nice, though, look at that f- first cover. That's the logo that is used up to this day. They changed the font on Spider-Man yeah, a little they, bit. They've but tweaked yeah, and played much. with it over the years, but like that's the it's the, the slight curved arch, like the dip in the top. Yeah, it's the top corner sort of feel to it and the all-important um, hyphen which so many people still bloody forget in, in the google age on this on the first page of amazing spider-man number one he's got his name at the, the top with a hyphen and then uh, in the box at the bottom of the page it's spider-man without the oh yes and it's like Spider-Man. that throughout the whole bunch right throughout the first few issues like it's just <laughs> interchangeably spider-man and spider-man ah oh, good old spider-man um, yeah in his first issue where he he, he saves uh, a space capsule so let's talk about the, 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 the books that are worth reading of Spider-Man. And since I just mentioned it, I think we should probably start with... Marvel Masterworks Volume 1. Marvel Masterworks Amazing yeah. Spider-Man Volume 1. It's The Masterworks are expensive, mm. um, but they're worth the money. You can get the Essentials Volumes, which are bigger and have more issues in, but they're in black and white. And But I think the colours are really important for them. Yeah, could... I've been recently rereading a bunch of the old stuff in, in my Essentials. I've got like... From Amazing Fantasy fifteen right yeah. up to um, was it the end of the second Hobgoblin story? So we're talking like late eighties in essentials, yeah, yeah. like twenty odd years of Spidey, and they are gorgeous and the, the illustrations do speak for themselves. But the splashes of color are missed when you reread them. So yeah, if you're gonna start, I've got Masterwork Volume one, two, and three. Yeah, because that's what I first started collecting. I was like, God, these are expensive. Mas- oh, I'm gonna yeah. buy the essentials. They're like. £15 each and contain about 80 issues. Masterworks Volume 1 gets you Amazing Fantasy 15, but just the Spider-Man story, not the other two stories that were in the issue, um, and Amazing Spider-Man 1 through 10. So that's the origin of Spider-Man, the first appearance That's roughly of... his first year, like, from the publishing oh, yeah. of the first, of the Amazing Fantasy, right? To... And all the Masterworks ones like 10 or 11 issues. Yeah. Um, and, and they're in... More or less publication of a chronological order. Yeah. Um, and you've got the first appearances of Spider-Man, of Aunt May, of Uncle Ben, the death of Uncle Ben, of J. Jonah Jameson. You've got Flash Thompson, Betty Brandt. You've got the Vulture, the Tinkerer, 
the fucking the chameleon is in the first season. Get the Fantastic Four guest star, Doctor Octopus, Sandman, Electro. All these characters just come, and you know the characters that have become, um, like I mentioned it in my, in my big damn love video for for coming home. It's like Spider Man has a rogues gallery that equals Batman's. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he's he's got the best rogues gallery in the entire Marvel universe, mm. hands down. Yeah. And and you know I would argue that Batman's is probably the best rogues gallery in all of superhero comics. But Spider-Man comes in a very, very close second. Mm. It's because... just the, the colours and the, the sort of the, the set pieces you get from them. Yeah. Like, a lot of Batman's deal, especially as you move into the modern age and everything, with more, it's all about psychological battles and very small personal violent encounters and things like that. Where Spider-Man's, you're in for a show every time a villain shows oh, up. Yeah. They're all in bright orange and green and purple. A lot of them are animal themed as well. A lot are animal themed. So they mirror Spider Man in the same way that Batman's villains mirror his various he's, aspects. He, of he's a crazy talent. person who dresses up to fight criminals. Mm. They're crazy people who dress up to fight heroes. But in this case, it's like a spider versus a rhino. A spider versus a massive lizard man. Yeah. A spider versus a sandstorm in human form. Like, oh, not an animal, but again, force of nature. Is it elemental, yeah. Dear Watson. Sandstorm. I mean, look at look at Spider-Man's villains. You've got, you've got Doc Ock. You've mm-hmm. got um, the, the lizard. Beetle. The scorpion. The beetle. Mm-hmm. Tarantula. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what fucking else? Black cat. Uh, Black cat. Craven the hunter, who's an amalgam. Yeah. Of like yeah. he's, he's the ultimate human specimen as with you uh, looking at human as an animal. The rhino, yeah, oh, big old rhino. And of course, you move outside of the animal kingdom. You've got Electro, yeah. you've got Sandman, Hydro Man, the Green <laughs> Goblin, Hydro Man, the Green <laughs> Goblin, and all these gobliny friends. Don't you scoff, Hydro Man? Hydro. Man. Oh, look out the Molten Man if you don't care. Oh no, not the Molten Man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like they're just these big, colourful characters who, who you, you wouldn't miss like you you love looking through a page you're not exactly not going to lay your eyes upon a big fat scientist bloke in giant goggles with big metallic tendrils fucking smacking stuff up love doc <laughs> fucking love him he's just great masterworks is definitely worth checking out um, also um, worth mentioning the epic collections which are new oh yeah, yeah. And I, think oh, they, they, I think they've done the first set I think of stories they've done the first set of stories but they're publishing them out of order because they're filling gaps that haven't been already collected. Like the first one, the first Spider-Man one that came out was Cosmic Adventures, which is like early Very 90s, 80s, early 90s, early 90s yeah. stuff. Um, and then the, the next one after that was Round Robin, which is all, <laughs> all the all the sidekicks, yeah. which is again, is like mid-90s stuff. Like the, there's been a bunch of Daredevil volumes that are all from the mid-90s. But um, yeah, again, they're, again they're, I think they're like 20 quid or 25 quid per volume, but they collect like 20 issues each. And they're all in nice colour, um, and they're they're going to eventually be full runs of titles. Mm. But like I said, they're publishing them out of order so they can fill in gaps in existing collections. So if people don't um, want to buy the whole thing again, they can just buy the ones that they haven't got yet. Yeah, that that's the priority. So it's like, hey, we're really sorry. We know what it's like as a collector to have all these different shaped books and different volumes and everything. So as sort of a thank you for sticking with us and an apology for changing our format again. The first things we're going to publish are the ones you definitely don't have. Yeah. So there you go. You've got them. Fill your gaps. Giggity, giggity. 
and then we'll proceed. Yeah, because a lot of the 90s Spidey's been released in random trades of certain story arcs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got Identity Crisis in a trade, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is slap bang in the middle of a bigger arc. And of course, well, there the, it is. The, the Ben Riley sagas and Clone sagas have their own complete epic collections, <laughs> which are like five volumes each. Yeah. So you've got five fucking volumes of Ben Riley and five volumes of the Clone Saga. Mm. But because the only way you can collect... Because that because the way those stories worked was that you had four Spider-Man titles at the time, so all the stories were four parts and it was one part in each issue of each Spider-Title. And so that's the, kind of the only way you can collect that stuff. But we don't really need to talk anymore about that stuff because none of it's worth fucking reading. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> shit. Did um, you ever read the real Clone Saga? Which no. was like a six-issue mini that we told it I ignored it um, it, it didn't replace it it just sort of was like this was what they thought it was going to be I think it was Tom DeFalco who was the writer of it maybe and they were like this is what we thought that story out was going to be mm-hmm. until they were like no make this bigger like make it stretch out we want it to be a thing um, but yeah let's pick a few Spidey books because you yeah. guys always ask us like you know which which one's the thing we definitely suggest uh, Masterworks Volume 1 or you know Essentials Volume 1 or Epic Collection, or Epic Collection Volume, Volume 1, 1. And, and yeah that's a really good Starting point, and you can you can carry on any of those. Get a sense of sixties Spidey to, as well. Yeah, or oh, my sixties like Steve Ditko, Stanley Spider. I mean, it's date. Of course, it's dated. It's a fucking 70, 70 year old comic or whatever. No, it's 62, So it's what it's fifty approaching fifty five. Fifty five years summer. old. Fifty five yeah. later this August. Yeah, of course I said that. The being my fucking coming home with you. I should know that. Um, <laughs> idiot. Um, <laughs> Only reason I remember is because twenty twelve was his fiftieth anniversary. Yeah. Because in the Amazing Spider-Man PS3 game, uh, on August, whatever day it was, you know, his anniversary, um, for one day only, one of the costumes in the wardrobe was a big old party hat version of the suit. Which was <laughs> quite cool. It was, that was the nice little um, thing. So like if you were online that day, you could play in that costume. Um, That's quite good. The only reason to play in that game. <laughs> um, but yeah. Although did you? I spent a lot of time in that game swinging around in, in Kane's Scarlet Spider outfit because it looked really good. Anyhow, uh, sticking with the older run, my first sort of recommendation would probably be, and I, I recapped this over the last few days because I realised I hadn't read it in a while. Um, is issue fifty? Now it's part one of a storyline, but it's an entire epic in its own right. Issue fifty is the famous front cover. The Spider-Man No More. Oh, cover, yes. Where you see a big silhouetted sort of shape of him walking away. Which in I the foreground, believe. small in the bottom, Peter Parker walking towards us, backlit, looking really sad. And you're like, wait, what the hell's happening? And it's, it's come, it comes off the back of a story in which a young vulture, so one who's nicked all of Adrian Toomes' stuff, mm-hmm. nearly defeats Spidey while he's got a severe cold. Craven sees it on the news and is like, oh, so the vulture's the top predator in New York, is he? Right, well, I'm gonna go fuck him up then. For those interested in a collected edition, it's it appears in Masterworks Volume Five. It's also in um, oh god, there's a reprint of it in something recently, and I can't remember which one. I think it might be Mutie Paste. It's definitely not that. No, it's not that. <laughs> um, definitely not. I can't remember. It'll, it'll come to me, but there's a compilation recently that is about other I stuff. It will! But they added issue 15 at the end as like a bonus. To yeah, they do that now and again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's the colour copy of it that I've got, but uh, the black and white ones are the essential. Yeah. Um, so so Craven like, comes to beat up a vulture and everything, and Spidey recovers from his cold, and a hilarious shenanigan where he's like tucked up in his duvet right up to his neckline because 
<laughs> Harry's checking in on him, like, you're alright, old buddy, old pal. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, oh of course, he's in I'd, college by I'd then. I've yeah, made a friend, Anna, are here to make sure you're okay. And he's like, oh, shit. Because he's like, I want to get out there and like my powers are making me feel better already, but I, I'm stuck in here. So it's this whole thing of him being stuck there while Craven's fighting the new vulture out in, the, out in the New York and everything. Spidey eventually gets out and larded that down. It's all very lovely. It's very funny. Um, so it comes off the back of that and it's like, oh, he's triumphant. He's on yeah. top of the world. Issue 50 starts with him basically losing his shit. Like, he deals with a bunch of criminals, and he part gets the blame. The news media really starts to rip into him. Jameson, like, triples his campaign of hate against Spider-Man. Jameson's been hating on Spidey since day one. And this is Stanley yeah. written Jameson. This is Jameson <laughs> at his purest. This is Jameson at his most on-page J.K. simmons This is the Jameson who was commissioning, like, Spider-Slayers yeah. and getting Matt Gargan trapped in the Scorpion costume and the living brain I think he commissioned to, to yeah. try and destroy Spider-Man at this point. Like He was actively, not only was he smearing him in the press, he was actively looking for ways to kill Spider-Man. He wanted him defeated because he uh, later on they expand on it and explain why he really has a distaste for men who, who hide themselves so much. But at this point it was just a case of He's a menace, and I'm going to prove it, and I'm going to show it to everybody. And it was kind of working. Most of New York had bought into the uh, the hate campaign already. And Peter basically goes, is this worth it? Like, I've just missed I've meant I'm meant to be going out on a date with Gwen. I've just missed it. I'm meant to be going out on a mate date with Mary Jane. Mate date? Oh, yeah. This, at this point, they'd be, Anna and I <clears> may have tried to hook them up. And they both sort of gone, no, no, but you're sweet. Like, we'll stay friends. And then, like, MJ ends up at the same college with them, so... Gwen and Mary Jane become mates, and the four of them, like them, Peter and Harry, are mates. And it's it's all lovely. And Gwen and Peter are starting to date. They're not dating yet, but they're, they're trying to give it a go. Um, uh, but you know, wouldn't you know it? He's always busy. He is always um, busy. That's and then M- MJ and him are sort of uh, hanging Peter. out. MJ's trying to like help him sort out his um fashion sense and everything. And, you know, she's what like, fashion sense? You're, you're a hot. <laughs> it's like you're a hot guy, Peter. We just need to make you look like the cool cat you are. And it's like okay. And he's like having a rain check on her. And endless fucking tank tops in those early issues. And this, yeah. Oh god, yeah. So many tank tops. And this is when I think this is the first time, aside from um, my master plan is after this, isn't it? I think. But there's... Or was it just before? I can't remember. No, Master Planner's before that. Because Master Planner is... I think it's issue 36 where he's... he's it's the... The famous rubble. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's got to lift the heavy... Spider-Man thing. lifts heavy shit, see? He's got to lift the heavy thing. Um, uh, basically, I think, yes, this is the first time since then that Aunt May, like, has has a, has a fright. She has, like, a, a minor heart murmur and... and if oh yeah, because she's fucking ancient. Oh, no. But he was meant to, he was meant to be visiting, and he told <clears throat> he was running late. But had he been there on time and not Spider Manning, he could have been there for her and got to the hospital quicker. She's going to be okay, but it's all these things have come together, and he's just gone. What am I doing this for? The chicks. Like, am I just? Well, no, he's no, well, no, because he's losing out on the chicks. He's got two smoking, he's not going cash, smoking hotties with him. He's too busy playing the long game. He needs to go cash. Oh God, he needs to edge it. Just, um, just edge it. Just um, you know, no strings attached. Fun. Keep the mask on if you want. Oh God, we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's he just realizes like, what am I doing this for? Like, it feels like at this point, I'm only doing this for the thrill. Like, even people I save are frightened of me. The hell am I doing this for? Like, everyone loves. He even says, I'm trying to remember the line, but he says something like, "Everyone thinks Daredevil is so great." 
Um, no one think no one at that point thought Daredevil was so great. Well, no, but like <clears throat> in the context of this, he's yeah, saying, like people are talking about him as a savior, and he says like Fantastic Four, are, like everyone's favorite. Captain America turns him on. Is the caption? And I was like, yeah. Um, so he, he just he, he decides sod it. I'm throwing in the towel, and it's it's the issue that most inspired a chunk of Spider-Man Two, the Sam Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Every iteration or reinterpretation of the character has touched on the Spider-Man No More idea, uh, but this is where it starts, and it was it was great because it's just this first issue since his adventure begins where he goes, "The fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing? There are other heroes who can take care of this stuff. Like, I'm getting nothing from this. It's ruining my life." But he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. But before all this, his sort of grievance was more like, "Oh, the old Parker look," and this issue he goes. Yeah, the old Parker, fuck that. I'm, no, not happening. He chucks the costume in a bin and walks away. Immediately the next page, Stanley's narration reassures you that our story doesn't end here. Stick with us. There is more to come. Which I think is hilarious. It's like, well, they're halfway through the issue. I think they're assuming there's going to be more Spider-Man. Well, that was the thing. Is like, it, 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 it's all really the comics like that were, all, were yeah. always written episodically. So even within the same issue, yeah. it was like, Stick around, Stick around for the next part of this story. And then there's like three ads. And then there's the next part of the story. It's like, why are you in that? It's strange. There's an, an issue 49. There's a beautiful caption that's like, and now the greatest word in any writer's arsenal. Dot, dot, dot. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. <laughs> the um, but yeah, so a kid brings the uniform into the bugle. And is like, look. And Jameson's like, holy Jehoshaphat. Like, oh my God. It's, I think this is him. We've done it. Holy it, balls. It's, it's, it's. it's it's almost, the code. it's almost completely the same as the scene when the guy brings the soup uh, from the trash to the office in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Jameson is so gleeful and he rewards the kid because the kid asks for payment. He rewards the kid with a free copy of the Daily Bugle. It's <laughs> 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 great. He's such a dick. He's great. So he goes on all the news networks and starts talking about the exclusive. They've got Spider-Man's costume. He's framed it and hung it up in his office. Again, mm-hmm. like the movie because he's like, yep. Yeah, Look at this. Ha ha. We win. I finally won. I've driven him away. I defeated Spider-Man. And the news stations are all going like, like, do we think he's like gone? What is this? Is this a, a cover up of any other heroes come forward for comment? Like the police are like, we're just as stumped as you are. We're investigating. And with Spider-Man's removal from the scene, a figure who we had not yet seen in the comics decides to make his move. The notorious, mysterious, and not yet seen full frontally kingpin of crime ah. is like right he was interfering with several operations and rackets now he's gone we need to make a big move because we don't know how long this is going to last so he deals with all the top mobsters in town and they start their big takeover of New York so it's like the first Spider-Man story that is major crime outside of superpowers Mm -hmm. which is always fun to watch spidey deal with because yeah okay they're not smashing through buildings they're not like filling places with sand and all this stuff there's no sci-fi shenanigans but the danger is very real because bullets are flying when it comes (laughs) down to this stuff um and peter starts to see what the world without him doing what he did is like and it begins to tempt him back. And it's it's worth a read. Because it, it's one of the few issues I, I think of when I think of that early run. That stands out to me really clearly as. This is a story about Peter Parker. What makes him tick. And why he does what he does. 
Spider-Man issue fi- the Amazing Spider-Man issue 50 Spider-Man No More definitely worth a read read it with your eyes you bastards well <laughs> I prefer to read it with my fingers like, like Daredevil oh um I thought we were going to segue into, which is why my next pick... Which is why my next pick is... is Daredevil, for some reason. Dead, uh, <laughs> no. Okay, so I've done my episode on Spider-Man Coming Home. So everyone knows I like the J.A. My- Fucking hell, I can't keep climbing all over me. Um, <laughs> I to put a clause in. Chill out, Pepper. Um, <laughs> everyone knows I like the JMS Spidey run. So I kind of have to recommend... The JMS Spidey run. It's um, pretty freaking magical. It begins with Coming Home, which collects issues 30 to 35. No, a volume 2. Yeah. Because they relaunched the series in 99 from issue 1 again, and no one liked it because Howard Mackie wrote it. And it Howard Mackie wrote it, John Byrne was drawing it, I, I think, think so, at that time. Yeah, because... Yeah, I know he... John Byrne was drawing chapter 1. Because the bugle collapses on him, if I remember correctly. And I think, did John Romita draw that? John Romita drew yeah, some of Yeah, because he did some... Yeah. The bugle, like nearly goes down or whatever la 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 and Spidey just quits doesn't he he goes like screw it I quit I quit this is ridiculous I quit I'm not Spider-Man anymore not as cool as Spider-Man no more but he's like yeah I'm done and then the book wasn't printed for it was a few months wasn't it they sort of so, like yeah. left it for a while and then the amazing Spider-Man 1 came out relaunch and it was about someone being Spider-Man and Peter and MJ seeing it on the news and going huh interesting and then they investigate it, and it didn't turn out to be Marley, whatever her name was, the Spider Girl slash Spider Woman Four. It was her, like they, yeah, she was strapping was her a, boobs down. There was a new Spider Girl like, title, and stuff. Yeah. Like she was impersonating Spider Man basically, and and sort of it forces him out of retirement when she has to deal with criminals that are obviously way out of her league. Yeah. And yeah, it was all kind of boring. And then JMS took over, and it got good again. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah. yes. Um, uh, go and watch my my video about coming home on the Big Dan channel. Um, it's that, that it's a great jumping on point, and it sort of helps inform the character because it, they're kind of cleaning up the mess of Howard Mackey's run. You know, him, <laughs> him and MJ have split up. Howard Mackey attempted sort of not a, split up. it attempted a revisal of the origin, a story called Year One, Chapter One, correct. Chapter One. That's yeah, it. yeah, which tied in with. The, his run on Spider-Man. Yeah, which um, was um, basically him going, oh, Doc Ock was heavily involved in the origin now, and we're going to reboot the origin, and it's now largely what? considered to be completely out of canon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, during during his run on Spider-Man, he, he killed off Mary Jane, and then he brought her back, uh, but then she split up with Peter. <laughs> so what is actually great about the start of, um, of JMS's run, particularly through the volumes, Revelations and... Until the stars turn cold, mm-hmm. is it is it gets them back together and sort of re-cements that relationship and re-establishes what makes them so good together? Yeah, because they are they are great in the books. And it, again, it, and this will be a theme that I come to later with again with well a little tease for a video I'm going to do later this week and also something I'm going to talk about later on this podcast is that it it takes Spider Man and moves him forward. Yeah, which they do so rarely. With these characters, it moves him forward and it builds on the stuff that's come before, and um, it makes for interesting stories. Change the status quo and, and write interesting stories. So, um, again, again, widely found in trade, you can get them as ultimate collections. Um, it does go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> Sins past is not good. Um, 
people tend to be divided on things like the other, although I quite like. I enjoy. The I like the Spider Totem yeah. stuff, and I like the other, and all that, and all that stuff. And then, of course, we get one more day where yeah. he, 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 he to save his elderly and just let May go. <laughs> all right, Peter, just let her go. She's fucking old as balls. She's one hundred and eighty-five. She's seventy thousand years old. She's older than God. She's already dead. Mary like, Jane's just been propping her up weekend at Bernie's style to make you feel better. Like, I can't let this elderly woman die. I'm going to negate my entire marriage with this woman and rewrite my entire history. And Although, to be fair, that was kind of mandated by... For some reason, editorial had a bee in their bonnet about the the, the, the Peter MJ it's relationship. Because the, the editorial team by yeah. the uh, the mid to late two thousands were guys who'd grown up with Peter being single in the yeah. swinging sixties and seventies, and they wanted him back like that. So they were just determined well, also, to get him back like that, despite like, all that brilliant work that had been done between like eighty eight, yeah. eighty six, eighty seven, whenever it was they got married, and um, and the present day at that point. All the amazing work a bunch of the writers have done. Yeah, again, the work that JMS did earlier in his run to re-cement that relationship, only you'd have to break it apart later on. Yeah. And it wasn't any, you know, it, it's no surprise that he wasn't massively keen on One More Day. To the point where jo- he leapt off midway. Into well, it. Joe Casado had to finish it off, yeah. yeah. Joe Casado was the one who decided, yeah, we have to kill this relationship. And also it's the thing of, oh, we need Spider-Man to be young and single so the kids can relate to him. But what was so interesting about coming home and the stories that came after it was it was... Uh, a late twenties, like mid to late twenties, Peter becoming a teacher and well, you know what it means to be an adult and have responsibilities and fixing his marriage, yeah, and, moving, and things like that. So it it, it, it was interesting because yeah. it was territory he'd never been in, yeah, and it was interesting to read, which I'm sure is a theme that's going to recur as we as we talk about various stories. But yeah, JMS's Spider-Man run, uh, coming home, revelations until the stars turn cold. Mm. Unintended, that's the one. That's the one. I, yeah, yeah. Life and death of spiders, unintended consequences. Book of Ezekiel. The other, Civil War. Yeah, Civil War yeah. is pretty damn great. Across um, Amazing and Peter Parker. Yeah. As well. Back in Black. Back in Black. Back in... Well, nice segue. Back in Black contains one of my favourite mm-hmm. issues of Spider-Man ever. And again, I've got the number wrong, but I know it's in the 400s. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. You'll I'll figure it out. doesn't matter. It's in... It's, it's in, during the Back in Black, Black storyline. Just um, tell us about Back in Black. Back in Black is... Uh, right, so Civil War... A uh, big political story uh, relating to a horrific incident where a reality TV show about superheroes goes horribly wrong when a supervillain murders a small town, including hundreds of children nearby. Um, Superhuman Registration Act is enforced by the law, and Tony Stark like upholds it, and Steve Rogers is like, no, some of these men and women put their lives on the line like for a reason, and we, we can't do this. Like We, we can't like expose them to the world like people will come after them they're doing this selflessly and tony's like yeah yeah fuck that i've recently done some bad things and i have to make amends for it so I basically everyone's really out of character because mark miller's writing this book and it's, I mean, it's a decent story on its own yeah, but yeah, i mean, know what you mean mark, yeah. miller, mark miller doesn't write characters he writes ideas his he writes ideas and yeah. his, he doesn't write established characters he writes his version of them which are not always the same but I mean, Bendis the... does the same thing to, to a similar, to, but not anywhere near to as egregious a degree. In the middle of this story, Tony Stark convinces Peter Parker, who currently at this point is one of the Avengers living in uh, Avengers Tower, alongside May and Mary Jane. He's, he's, uh, Aunt May, who yeah. knows who he is, and Mary Jane obviously knows who he is, um, uh, convinces Peter to basically be the mascot for this, to be the one who goes out to prove that registering isn't a bad thing. As Peter Parker goes out in front of the world's press, removes his mask, and says, My name's Peter Parker. 
I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old. Civil War continues. Spidey realises Tony might not be on the right side. Bands with Captain America's side and everything goes higgledy-piggledy wrong and everything. By the end of it, Peter is one of the several heroes who's technically a fugitive trying to be rounded up. May and uh, Mary Jane have supported him, so they've gone with him into hiding. Cap is dead and no longer able to obviously help everybody directly, so they're all having to go their separate ways. And Peter is known by the world. So Tony's sort of leaving him alone. Tony's given him a bit of a berth on purpose, which is made even bigger when he confronts him and Spidey beats the ever-loving shit out of Tony Stark in his armour, just to basically say, you leave my family alone. But the inevitable happens. Peter's identity's known, and powerful, dangerous people who he's put away or injured want revenge. From his jail cell, Wilson Fisk, who I think was jailed because of a Daredevil storyline... Yeah, he was incarcerated I, I in Rikers. All, I think that all came out of the back of Bendis's Daredevil run. Yeah, yeah, that would have been around then. Yeah, this is all post that. Um, Wilson Fisk from his cell pays for and organizes the assassination of Peter Parker because he's like, "Good, we can kill Spider-Man and take him off the table." So a sniper sets up outside the motel that they're hiding in takes the shot, Peter's spider sense goes off, and he's with Mary Jane, and they duck out the way. They don't know what it is, like, his spider sense has just gone off, and he's grabbed her and pulled her to the ground. Mm-hmm. And the bullet hits Aunt May in, I think it's the shoulder? And her wound is bleeding out pretty heavily. Well, it's because she's ancient. Yeah. And she's brittle. She's made of glass. So, they get her Wizened to glass. hospital, but obviously, trying to stay off the grid, they can't, like, reveal any details or insurances, so it's about getting her on charity wards, and basically, it really starts to take its toll on Peter, so he decides to cut the shit, and because it sends a message to the criminals that he's not fucking around, and also because it was 2007 and they wanted some front covers of their books to tie in with the movie, he finds his cloth version of the black costume sticks it on, and starts kicking ass and taking names. For a chunk of the Back in Black arc, he's beating the crap out of villains trying to find out who organised the hit. He finds out, I think it's issue 497, I could be wrong, or 494, but he finds out, he heads into Rikers, and Kingpin has paid off all the staff, all the guards for the night. He's paid them off, basically saying, two hours... Everyone's allowed out of their cell. We're not leaving the main hall, the mess hall. Everyone's allowed out of their cell. Everyone will be back in their cell after two hours. You have my word. Because obviously all the, none of the inmates there are going to fuck around with the kingpin. No. Uh, he's like, they'll all be back in their cell. Just leave us alone for two hours. I've invited someone. And they even like dig out I've a suit. They, they even let him have a suit of his from uh, the evidence, like lockers and everything. So Wilson Fisk basically waits there for Spider-Man to arrive because he knows he's coming now. Yeah. And Spidey does arrive and beats the ever-loving shit out of Kingpin. This issue is worth reading simply because it's what happens when you see Spider-Man let go. And it's not pretty and it's scary to see because... I imagine if he lets go in that costume and he's had some Mexican... Oh, God. That well, wouldn't be pretty. Well, Spidey, like, pulls his punches. He's a guy who always, like, holds back. Because yeah. his strength is, like, tr- He's super tremendous. strong. Like, He's got the proportional strength he, of a spider. He once, he once, like, punched out the Hulk early in his run. He managed to knock him out yeah. by using, putting the weight of his full strength behind the punch. 
Uh, a punch which he then delivers to Craven in a later Craven story in that early run, like one of Craven's later appearances. Yeah. Um, because Craven just won't stop. He's like fully souped up and relentless as Spidey punches him in the gut with the same power he punched the Hulk in the face. And Craven just goes bug eyed, exhales, and collapses. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's. It, but it's interesting to see because obviously he always holds back, but now emotion's completely driving him and he feels like he's got nothing to lose. Because May, May's gonna die, like she's going to die, and it's Fisk's fault. Because she's fucking yeah. ancient. But that can't be changed. So why not beat Fisk to death? Now eventually he holds off, like he stops himself. There's a brilliant bit. And I think I've mentioned this before. But there's a brilliant bit where Fisk says, "Like, so you came here to kill me then?" And Spider-Man says, "No, mm. I didn't come here to kill you." And he pulls off his mask and the upper half of his costume. And he looks at him as Peter and goes, I did. And he just leaps on top of him and starts wailing. And obviously the criminals at first are like, yeah, yeah, kick his ass, Fisk. As it goes on, they're all just looking terrified <laughs> because they're not sure what they can do. Like, they can't step in. Fisk was trying to make a point. They don't want to interrupt. But at the same time, like, what if they interrupt and Spider-Man beats them up too? Like, this is a room full of like 200 plus hardened criminals. They yep. don't know what to do. It's a fascinating look. And it's kind of the turning point there where he realizes he's like, oh my God, like, what have I become? Like, what has this situation done to me? And that's what eventually, unfortunately, leads into the decisions that he and MJ make in one more day. Um, uh, they literally sell their marriage to the devil. But hey, everyone knowing who he is gets erased magically, so whatever. And what do we get in the wake of one more day? We get a brand new day, which is fine. It's mostly I've never had good. a problem with brand new day. I can see why people do, because it's the sign of, oh, they won. It's this weird vendetta they pushed has yeah. won. But then you've got the Brain Trust come in. You've got a series of writers. With Mark Wade, Dan Slot, and... Who's the third one? I don't know, but... Catch looks at you like, I don't know, but keep stroking me. Yeah, she's curled, she's full on curled up in my lap right now <laughs> as we're recording. Um, just being a right little sausage. Oh, madam. Um, she's stretching, she's melting off the front of the couch because she's stretching. Um, <laughs> there was Dan Slot, Mark Wade. Who fucking, I'm gonna have to look this up. I do want to say. Oh no! It was it was more. It the it, it was Dan Slott, Bob Gale, Matt Guggenheim, Fred Van Lente, and Zeb Wells. Holy balls! That's a lot of people. Joe Kelly, Mark Wade, and Roger Stern later on joined the writing team. Who basically what happened is in with Brand New Day, whereas you'd had originally had four Spider-Man titles going on at once. Yeah. Then they just they cancelled everything but Amazing Spider-Man, and then made Amazing Spider-Man come out three times a month. Yeah. Which was genius, because yeah. like you kind of follow it. Nah, nah. Um, and apparently they did his thing, and then they did the gauntlet. and They, 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 they had a, a thing at the start of it. Only doing new villains, new situations, adjusting to the new status quo. And this was all going on against the backdrop of things like Dark Reign and things like that. Yeah. So, um, but I think Dark Reign was the first excuse for them to then go, 
Okay, we're going to do one that ties into his old villains yeah. because a couple of his villains are involved in the Dark Avengers. And they did New Age to Die. Yeah. And then he's got the Gauntlet where he's literally facing up against all of his classic villains. And it lasts a long time, Gauntlet. Like, it takes I think time. it's like four trades. Plus, there was uh, storylines running alongside it as well, like yeah. the Black Cat mini and everything. Like the, the, the Major Spider-Man going, Presents. Major Spider-Man Presents. Yeah. Um, shortly after that time as well, I think, is when we got um, the new team-up book. Which was oh god, what was it? Avenging called? Spider-Man. Avenging Spider-Man. Yeah. That came around about that time as well. Um, let's uh, before we because I think we're both we're I think both we're both leading to one particular yeah, story. Yeah. So before we do that, I just want to touch on one more that I want to recommend. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man is one of my favorite books of all time, if not my favorite. Oh yes, we must talk time. about Ultimate. Yeah, but if I'm going to pick one story out, and I've only just realised something here, this is so weird. Uh, there's a common theme with the three stories I've singled out so far. Um, the story I want to point out is, I mean, obviously, uh, definitely pick up with Great Power, which is the first story arc, Power and Responsibility. Yeah. Seven issues. It's a seven-issue version, so a feature-length telling of the origin of Spider-Man. It is. Which hadn't really happened for that. It was, you know, the, the original issue was, is, is like 11 pages it's of that book. the best and... example of... Brian Michael Bendis, who created Ultimate Spider-Man and, and is still writing Ultimate Spider-Man, although it, now it's not Ultimate Spider-Man anymore, it's just Spider-Man because mm. Miles Morales and he's in the main Marvel Universe, but that's by the by. Um, <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis is notorious slash widely lauded slash infamous for his, deconstruct, for, for his decompressed storytelling, which means he takes an awfully long time to do not very much. And one of the best examples is is um, the first uh, arc of Ultimate Spider-Man because it's not boring. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it takes seven issues to tell a really simple story that was in the 60s were told in 11 pages or 12 pages. <laughs> Uncle Ben doesn't die until the end of issue four. Yeah. Like, that is that is how it's done. Like, he makes you fall in love with Ben Parker and understand why Peter loves him. And, and the frustrations that the Parkers are going through being, you know, um, stand-in parents for their nephew. Yeah. And they're younger as them. well. Which they're younger, is... like Ben's got a bit more of a hippie, hippie-ish kind of. hippies yeah. And May is, like, they're clearly meant to be sort of in their, um, I think, early 60s? I would say, like, late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of played a lot more, you know. They're grey. Youthful. They're yeah. not They're silver they're foxes. They're wizened. They're silver foxes. Yeah, Bob Holly is a silver fox. Um... She ain't no Marissa Tomei, I'll tell you that. Peter is, uh, yeah, but Marissa Tomei's Aunt May has, has yet to make the delicious banana bread. Oh. So, um, don't make any euphemisms out of can't. So, um, can't not. like, we get to meet MJ as one of his class members from day one, and we get to see Flash, and a new character, Kong. I love Kong, Kong he's great. great. He's basically Flash's muscle, like, Flash is the arrogant, you know, big-headed twerp, and Kong is his dumb twatty if slightly more lovable friend and you know they just you learn about the school you meet Liz and they and kind of like Peter but they also kind of rag on him yeah like they know it's like an actual high school dynamic of of when especially when you're a class that have grown up <coughs> alongside each other mm. as opposed to you know you've just been thrust together at that year um they're all 14 going on 15 yeah. at the start of the book yeah. um so perfect for like teenage drama and nonsense and bullshit. Uh, and alongside it, like Oscorp is uh, where the spiders are developed and tested with the yeah, drug Oz, really. which is like a superhuman performance enhancer, which later on we find out was meant to be experiments to you, recreate the super soldier serum. You see an awful lot of 
the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff crop up in the Raimi movies. Yeah, the first Raimi, the first Raimi movie is like 60 Spidey, but it uses Ultimate's first story arc as a bit of a template. I don't think it... I think they were coming out around the same time. Yeah, Ultimate started in so, 2000, so... Um, I think, I think, I th- I think Spider-Man I think was being been... shot at the time Ultimate Spider-Man was coming yeah, out. Yeah, there would have been meetings, yeah. I imagine, about like, oh, so what are you doing at the moment? Like, let's talk a bit about that. Because the Green Goblin's tied into the origin... Um, oh, he's completely different from his six one six version. But in terms of like power set and appearance, things if, like that. if Norman's more calculated in the six one six, he's a junkie in the Ultimate. Universe. Oh, he's crazy! Especially, yeah. especially that yeah, first yeah. one where he comes back and he basically just takes him to one side and he's like, "I own you." Peter's like, "What?" He's like, "Don't fucking give me what I know who you are. I created you. I own you. So here's how things are gonna go. You're gonna be my bitch." You're going to do X, Y, and Z for me. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you and your pretty girlfriend and your Aunt May and I'm going to kill Harry. I'll kill Harry! I will kill my son because he's your friend. By the way, I'm just going to jack up on this drug now. <laughs> Look, I'm big and green! This feels amazing! It's like, oh my yep. god. Um, which is great. Oh, especially so That's the first Prince Nick Fury in it because he just appears in the hospital. He's like, um, has he asked you to kill me yet? It's like, what? It's like, who the hell are you? And it's like, has Norman Osborn asked you to kill me yet? Because, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. were investigating Osborn. Yeah. And so weird. But the story that I want to point out is the second story arc, Learning Curve, which was... So, again, these stories aren't based in your, your daddy's Spider-Man. Like, it's, it's a new telling for the new millennium, separate continuity, separate universe. This is Peter's first proper, like, Spider-Man story. Like he's, he becomes a wrestler and fights the goblin in the first volume, in the first storyline. <laughs> in this one, he tries to take on crime at the source, and this is when I realised I'd made a connection in my three picks without even realising it. This is the Ultimate Universe's introduction to Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, <laughs> um... who I'm, I'm quickly realising, as we say this out loud, might be my favourite Spider-Man is villain. Is this the arc with the Enforcers? This is the this is the arc with the enforcers, yeah. which is the best use of the enforcers I've ever seen in a comic book, because they keep the ridiculous outside premise of all three of them yeah. and openly mock it, but also make them a threat. Down with that. This Down is the that. appearance of Electro pre blue skin, so um, skin tight rubber suit with the popped collar and the lightning bolt shaped yeah. open shirt. Yeah. Um, who at this point we don't know who he is exactly or where he got his powers from we learn about that later uh-huh. he's just an enforcer for the kingpin we meet J. Jonah Jameson in the Ultimate Universe for the first time Peter gets a job at the Bugle he tries to sell him a photo Bugle, uh, Jameson's like that's crap <laughs> this is no. a terrible photo and then on his way out Phil Uric, uh, Ben Urick is trying to fix him on his computer and Peter's like oh there you go I've done it and they're like oh so on the spot Jameson's like okay we're looking for a new web designer you got the job Really? Yeah. I mean, you're a high school kid, so you can do it like every other night, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you're hired. Oh, okay. So in this universe, Peter is the web designer. That's <laughs> uh, so we meet Betty Brand and, uh, and Jeremy Robertson. Um, at the end of this story arc, Peter reveals who he is to Mary Jane at the very end, which is, again, the following issue is one of my favourite issues ever. It's just the two of them in his bedroom yeah. talking about it. And Mark Bagley 
dominates it with his expressions. That Matt, issue. Yeah, Matt Bagley's art in this series is. He'd been working great. throughout the late eighties and throughout the nineties on Spidey titles and stuff, but I think Ultimate was it was his best work. Well, because I think a lot of his a lot of his. 90s Spidey work was sort of caught up in the Clone Saga stuff. Yeah. Which is generally generally not very well regarded. But also so lots of symbiote stuff. Just yeah. lots of jagged edges. Where in this he finally got to just draw kids talking and you know what I mean like adults doing horrifying monstrous things. Everyone and... does kind of have the same face though. Mm, I don't know. I mean Isn't I know what you mean. It's not he's, got, he's got a style but I wouldn't say it was like I'm not saying it's a problem because I yeah, mean yeah, yeah. the late Steve Dillon had the same thing going on, and I love him. Yeah, that. yeah, no. But yeah, everyone looks the same. Yeah, but it's, um, it's, everyone's got the same face. But it's a great face. It's a good face. <laughs> it's a um, great. He gives face. great face. But yes, as Matt pointed out, this is the story arc with probably Brian Michael Bendis's greatest <sighs> so, contribution to so Spider-Man good. as a single scene, which is where Peter finally goes to confront Fisk. Because here's the thing. In the story, this is when, after when he's already Fisk, got his ass handed to him. Well, by Fisk. He got his ass handed to him by Fisk um, uh, twice, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The first time, like Fisk is, like, he deals with the enforcers, electroshocks him, then Fisk basically picks him up. They beat him up. They, they like strap him to a chair, and Fisk just pulls his mask off, and he's like, "He's a fucking kid. Mm. Get him out of here." Mm. And um, but I think Peter manages to get away. But what they do in the end is they throw another guy who they were trying to murder get rid of all trace of with the Spider-Man mask on into the Hudson River. So when that guy's uncovered, there's this whole thing of like, has Spider-Man killed this guy? Or was this guy Spider-Man? Like, who, do you know what I mean? There's all that stuff. And Peter gets his ass handed to him again. But basically what Peter's doing is he knows that all of Fisk's dealings, all of his illegal dealings are done within his office building. Yeah. So he goes after the CCTV tapes of just that like one room where that stuff happens, which only Fisk has access to. Because what he's going to do is take them all, sell them to the Bugle, because Ben Urich explains, like like in the Daredevil Netflix show, we've got so much on this guy and we can't run it. Because one bit of red tape here or one source there that won't corroborate with us because they're being in his pocket and like it's never going to happen. So Peter's like, I'm going to get all the tapes. I'm going to destroy the one of the night of me being unmasked. And I'm going to give the rest to Ben Urich. Spoiler alert, he manages to succeed by the end and Fisk has to leave the country and immediately becomes Spider-Man's greatest foe in the Ultimate Universe until he is unceremoniously killed off at the start of Miles Morales' run. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, which is really annoying he's killed off by Mysterio of all people. But anyway, um, it's amazing because there's this beautiful scene where Peter arrives and Fisk is looming. Now, Peter is drawn as like a five foot one... 14 year old kid in spandex he's very small very slender he's lithe yeah, yeah. He's, sort of, he's got like he's muscular but he, he's not buff um, Kingpin is drawn as like a 7 foot 5 behemoth and I think it's Mark Bagley's choice to make you go oh my god like he stands no chance against him so Spidey for the first time does a very Spidey thing he disarms Fisk with jokes but not just Zipping around making quips jokes with standing there bringing out a placard or two and going, All right, sorry, I just I've got something I want to say to you, and I just wanted to make sure I said it right, so I've written it down. I hope you don't mind. Fisk's like, What? You are so fat that when you cut yourself shaving, marshmallow fluff comes out. No? Okay, another one. You are so fat that when they took your high school yearbook photo 
They had to do it from a helicopter. <laughs> okay, I can see you're a little angry there. Look, maybe one more. You are so fat. When you step on the scales, it says one at a time, please. <laughs> and it just it just goes off like another two or three jokes, and Fisk is just like the facial expressions, just like disbelief. Oh my god, he's really doing this. Oh, I'm getting angry. <laughs> oh, I'm getting angry. It's brilliant. And then he just goes for him and obviously Spidey like takes Fisk's rage and, and, and to his advantage and helps him off off you know, throw off the punch and it's so good. So yeah, um that's that's the second story arc of, of Ultimate Spider Man called um the first appearance of the shocker as well. Um Learning Curve. Learning Curve. You can get that if you pick up Ultimate Spider Man Ultimate Collection Volume 1. Yeah. That's the first two... I think it's those first two story arcs. It might even be the first three. It might have Double Trouble in it as well. And of course, um, all you can also do... And again, we're not sponsored here, so this isn't... I'm not... This isn't a pitch. Yeah. Um, but if they want it, you know. Yeah, it's, what, you can, what you can also do is you've got Marvel Unlimited, which is like Marvel's online subscription service. And I think it's like $70 for a year. And you basically get access to... Uh, Marvel's entire digital library, single issues, um, up to as recent as the last six months. Hmm. So, so for some titles, that's like a lot of stuff. The entire run of Amazing Spider-Man is on there, mm-hmm. up to six months ago. <laughs> so this is a really good way to read a lot of that stuff. A lot of, a lot of this stuff. I, I I I've dipped in and out of having Marvel limited subscription subscriptions here and there. Um, I prefer to read in trades, personally. I think we need to crack on the emails because we're we really a bit late. We but we'll, we will, we'll, we'll leave you with just the title of one of the thing you need to check out. Yeah, Superior Spider Man. Yes, yes. If you want to know more, Look up. ask us, and we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, we will talk we'll, about uh, it. Yeah. Um, and also <laughs> for another big bit of big damn love, <laughs> bit of comics, love. comics thing. Um, yeah, nicely, my, ne- my, nice next, my next big damn love will be about um, a pretty awesome run on Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so, tune into that on Sunday. <laughs> Yay! It will also be, can we, can, can we say this? Yes. It will, be the, it will be the last big damn love for a little mm. bit. We're going to take a little break from big damn loves and we're going to try out some some new ideas. But fear not, we're not abandoning it. We'll come back. Yeah, we're just yeah. get, we're just we're just letting it have a little rest while we while we try out some some new ideas. Mm. But um, if you're thinking to yourself, oh no, you can't leave it there. It's six months worth of content. Yeah, you can rewatch it. We'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be uh, re- you'll be you'll, 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 you'll be fine. fine. We'll be fine. Um, we'll see you later. Yes. So, <laughs> but yes, join me on Sunday. We'll talk some more Spider-Man comics. Um, so we and have pulling so many us. emails, and before we get into them. I guess we need to um, address the key-holding, hoodie-wearing newcomer in the room. Yes. Or in the forest um, with a Photoshop TARDIS image that is the fourth on Google search. Preempting the the the, the, <laughs> the, the questions we have about it on the in the emails. Jodie Whittaker is the thirteenth Doctor, and yes. we're pre- we're pretty happy about that. We're pretty damn happy. About um, it. I I didn't I didn't I wasn't following the sort of who is it speculation massively mainly because as soon as Chris Marshall's name came up I was like oh god this is boring um, yeah, I, I mean no so, offence to Chris Marshall but eh, he, does, like, he just... does look like a 
baffled geography teacher. Um, <laughs> so, so, which technically is the, has been one of the qualifying factors of at least half yeah, of the we've doctors. Done so that, far. haven't it? Exactly, half of the doctors' stuff, if not more. The, the the most boring choice you could make. Um, so yeah, Jody Whittaker, Jodie Whittaker. The first thing is, as the what, did you watch it live or did you watch it when you got home? I watched it later on. Yeah. So did you know who no, it was, was before you saw it. the reveal footage? Had you read it? Uh, yes. Okay. Because I watched it. I watched it live, and as it starts, they obviously make a point of bulking her up. Yeah, so you sort of go like, oh, oh, it's a bloke then. Okay. Because obviously speculation running rampant. You're like, oh, oh, it's a bloke. All right, okay, let's see who it is. And then as it goes on, you start to see, like, you saw the, the trouser meet the boot. It's like, hang on. The trouser meet the boot. Yeah, which is that one shot of a leg where it's like, that's more a lady's cut of trousers. Okay. And then obviously you get the hand and you're like, that's a very feminine hand. Mm, and then you get hand. the eye and you go, oh my God, we have our first female doctor. Um, and then as soon as she appeared, I was like, oh my God. Who? I, I had a moment where I didn't like clock yeah, it. Like yeah. I said, Jodie Whittaker, I was like, I know the name. I... Who is... About five minutes later, my brain randomly woke up and went, uh, duh, mate, attack the block. Because that's what I know her from mostly. I've not yeah. seen much of Broadchurch. So attack the block is my point. Of attack reference the, attack the block and that one episode of Black Mirror she did are my reference points. Oh, which one? Which one? She's in the uh, Toby Kebbell one. Oh, the uh, um, memories. Yeah, the season one. Oh yeah. The one. Yeah. Because I've watched that relatively recently in the last yeah. couple of months because I've been doing big damn love. So yeah. Oh gosh, I miss a yeah. great episode. I miss a great season. I miss a great show. It's a great show. But yeah, attack the block. I was like, well, there you go. She's dealt with aliens before. She and a disgraced stormtrooper kicked the ass out of a tower block full of furry yeah. alien creatures. Yeah. I think she'll be perfectly suited to dealing with aliens in Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I, there's just something about the look of that, even though it's only a, a little teaser. Yeah. There's something about the look of it. It's the lighting. It's it's the sort of the broken down like wooden carriage and the bushes and everything. So you get like a little hint of of the past. And know, even even though she's not tonally, they're sort of making it feel a bit fairy tale and and she's interesting. not doing a lot because it's just a teaser. It's yeah, it's it, it's not it's not a reveal of the Doctor. But it's a reveal of here is the actor who's playing the Doctor next. Well, just, that's that's what the key is and all that. It's like saying. It's her key now. Like she's in charge of the TARDIS. There's just a freshness to the whole thing. That's yeah, yes. It, it, and yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. Um, so best reveal in a while. So yeah, and it's just a shame that we're not really going to see her in action till. And this is you know rumored, but like September next year. Mm. Um, obviously a glimpse on Christmas Day, but it sucks we have to wait that long because I think everyone's like. Oh my god, like right now, if they turn around and went, yeah, spring next year is when the next series is, I think we'd all be like, oh, brilliant, we can't wait. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's weird to think she's one of three Doctors who will be appearing in the Christmas Yeah, special. that's They're very odd. We haven't had that for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, loads of emails. Let's Meanwhile? fucking burn through them. Are you ready for this? I'm cracking my knuckles. Oh, he is as well. There we go. Oh, yeah, here oh. we go. Ah, oh, okay. Was, that was a silent one, but it was tasty. Silent, like, silent but deadly. Um, Luke, Col- Luke. <laughs> Sorry, who? Luke. All right, Luke. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the surname because, <laughs> yeah, because you don't sign. 
Unless you sign off with a name. Yeah. I'm going to assume you don't want to be named. Yeah. Just maybe, so maybe, I don't don't, so I don't give out people's surnames. Maybe he doesn't even want to be Luke. Maybe he wants to be known as El Luqueato. Although he signed it as Luke. So. Oh. Oh, well then, Luke. Um, be that way. Gosh, this is a long one, Luke. Um, hello, Chris and Matt. It's me, Luke. No, not that one. The other one, unless you were thinking of the other one. Me first, meaning I'm the one you first thought of. I didn't want to do it originally. My sake, even the Doctor Falls. I told you, my last email, I was sending a full series review. So here we go. Into the Columbia, we're here. Oh my god, it's a full it's a full episode review the of the entire full season. Episode review. Okay. We'll take do you know what? We'll take an episode each. Are you ready for this? This is what Luke thought of Doctor Who series ten. You go first. Episode one the pilot, a good introduction to Asbill, but really magic space oil. At least we have we, 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 Oh god, I've already failed. Go, episode two. <laughs> do it! Do it! Do Smile. It. Meh, just meh. A mix between the girl who waited robots and the emotion patches from Gridlock. At least it's margainly better than Frank Cottrell Boyce's previous script. At least anybody that sees for next week. I like that. Four points emotional space out of ten! God, his sight reading's better than mine. Episode three, go! Thin ice, what a great setting. Capaldi shone as the doctor for me. I really enjoyed Asbill's enthusiasm and her wanting to try everything. She had very human reactions, unlike someone who is what the script needs. First. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Jim will keep Sarah Dollard on as a writer for his run. 8.5 elephants on the Thames out of 10. <sighs> Episode 4, knock knock. Who's there? Bit of a letdown, bit of a letdown who? Bit of a letdown as the monster wasn't really a bad person. It was done out of love. A special mention for David Suchet. He was perfectly creepy. An otherwise bland story. 6.8 creaking mother daughters out of 10. Episode 5, Oxygen. Whelp, I enjoyed that well in this episode. Acting as an unwilling adventurer. The one or two of his jokes fell flat. His little mannerisms at the back of shots are very enjoyable. I enjoyed the Doctor having to use his wits and skills, not just relying, his, relying on his sonic screwdriver. Even the blindness made sense to some extent. 7.5 corpse-filled automic suits out of 10. The blindness made no sense. It never made any sense for the four episodes it was there. Episode 6, Extremist. Well, well, well. Moffat is back to his old tricks, I see, with an oh-so-clever story. The Missy stuff was okay, but I had a feeling she was going to so be in the vault. Can't clever. wait for the twist ending, but they are still in a simulation. So 6.3 Marios realising they are part of the game and deleting themselves out of the game out of 10. That's not a thing. Episode 7, yeah. The Pyramid at the End of the World. One mouthful of an episode. I enjoyed how everyone was meant to think it was all the war that was going to destroy the world, but actually it was experiment gone wrong. And why a pyramid? Never mind. Six misplaced decimal points out of ten. Episode 8, The Lie of the Land. Oh so at the end of this three parts, when well, not much happened. Asbill was very human again, but I like the build-up and after the math of the fate regeneration, it was pointless. The monks did nothing and had no impact on the world the rest of the series. The whole three part was like an eighth Doctor Big Finish play. The natural history of fear that they cut up into its main themes made an awful mess fitting in thread points and ruining other parts. Seven deep-fried Voldemorts. What me and my friends renamed the monks to out of ten. I feel like that's a relatively positive review. For that's, a, that's a high that number pointless. for yeah. a negative review. I'm, I'm, I'm not great. Episode 9, The Empress of Mars, a fun Mark Gates episode. I like the subtle nod to Tooth and Claw, me too, and the not-so-subtle nod to the Curse of Peladon, me too. If you told me at Christmas I'd be t- missing Nardole in an episode, I would have laughed in your face, but I did sort of miss him in this episode. The Ice Warriors look cool also. Eight hermaphrodite hexapods out of ten, or eight Victorian soldier footballs out of ten. What? I'm not sure I'm on board with your rating system, Luke. <laughs> Episode I think 10. you're being very generous, Luke. <laughs> Episode 10, The Eaters of Light. Rhoda Monroe! I really enjoyed this one. The Missing Night Legion has always fascinated me, much like Asbill. In this episode, I found the music was on point for the first time in a while. The character motivations seemed plausible. 8.5 raisins, screeching cow out of 10. Yeah, I did like the music in that episode, actually. Yeah. Uh, episode 11, The World Enough and Tim. World Enough and Tim. Yeah, he's a lovely man. And here we are, almost at the end of an episode I really loved. I thought you were both right. I did not know about characters and monsters returning. It would have been incredible. I had 
this through my mum, who was literally on the edge of a seat. I guess Bill was going to become a sideman once my brother twigged it was John Sim. John Sim. Let's have a gossip milk and bitch about the industry. Who the fuck is John Sim? Almost instantly. A fun story with a very disturbing setting. I suffer from chronic pain, which isn't fun. Isn't, isn't fun. Oh, isn't fun, sorry. No, but the patient it. crying pain. Uh, and it is still in pain, even though it can't say it. It just made things a bit too real for me. Ooh. I also like the real conversion and Missy and Mr. Razor, nine former British Prime Ministers out of ten. <laughs> Hmm. You're psyching yourself up. I've got the roof of mouth. He's really. getting the phlegm going. I can hear it. <clears throat> I can taste it. Episode 12, The Doctor Falls. I don't know how to express my feelings for this episode. Missy and the Master were incredible. I knew they were going to kill each other from the day Johnson was announced as returning. But for me, that was it. Even though the Sonic X Machina was sort of explained, it still happened. The cinematography from Rachel to Lele. I also hope Chidnall keeps her on. It took five times for me to like it a bit more. Other let down. Moffat can do set, do, can do set up, but no follow through. Yep. This episode was made for <laughs> Peter Capaldi to have fun in his favourite evolution level of the Cybermen and get into root episodes with the Doctors. And that ending, it made my dad very pleased as he loved David Bradley's portrayal in Adventure in Space and Time. But I know that he was just playing William Hart not the Doctor. I hope he carries it off. I, it just felt odd given that I thought it was me whilst everyone else was giving it younger baths. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a typo, but younger baths is fucking great. <laughs> younger baths! Oh, oh that's God. so good! Um, yeah, it's funny Hen's taking so long with this email. You, you have gone off on one, Luke. <laughs> I'm just saying that. But he does rate it. 6.5 first Doctor appearances, making all the stupid reaction people squee, even though they probably know watched a Hartle episode and know who he is, thinking it's the first Doctor's Christopher Eccleston, yet they call themselves fans out of ten. Yes, yeah. let's judge fans be on how much they know about the series. That's that's helpful. Um, so there you although, are. Receiving... Although, I'm going to just point it out. Yeah, okay. So you know, you know my, you know my um, YouTube arch nemesis, even though he doesn't know it. Because it's mostly just me being annoyed that he exists. Uh, emergency also. Oh, that guy. He claims that... Um, the first Doctor's story that is being interrupted by the end of that is uh, Marco Polo. You know, that famous scene of Marco Polo where he's about to die in the next scene, apparently. Yeah. Ugh. That makes sense. I, I mean, I just love the idea that he's like, uh, there you go, there's a re- there's, that's the reference, there's my geeky reference for this episode in this episode's script. Something which 99% of the people who do watch all of Doctor Who haven't seen because you can't freaking get you a hold of it. You can't get a hold of it. It doesn't exist. Um, Sorry for the length of this email, but some quick question. Um, if you could sum up this series of Doctor Who in three sounds, what would they be? We've made so many more than three sounds about this series. Yeah, I'd say... Uh-huh. Huh. Mm. As an overall feeling for the series, that's not necessarily a progression of the series. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. That was two. That was, that was three and a half. Three and a half. Well, you know, I couldn't care. Bring it back to Spider-Man month. <laughs> if you could make any Spider-Man story into a movie, what would it be and why? Um, uh, Master Planner. Master Planner. Obviously, tweak it a bit more, but that'd be fun. Like a Doc Ock setting up a, a gauntlet of foes, kind of thing. You could do that a bit more. Not Sinister Six, but you know, like a whole keep him off my tail. I've got bigger things to. I've got bigger fish to fry. Um, although they've already done the him lifting heavy shit moment, so it probably wouldn't be that, would it? Mmm. Mm. Meats. Um, I... Something along the line... Oh! Pfft, until the stars turn cold. Something like, with I, the spot. A, a big... A big... A big... A bit... <laughs> is he in that? I think he is, you know. Is he? <laughs> I just 
want to see something with the spot. No, he's not. Um, I, wish, um, I just want to see the spot get a cinematic incarnation before, like, Craven or Mysterio. Uh, uh, yeah, so, so, like, until the stars turn cold, where it's about him and M- him and MJ's relationship and them trying to patch it back together, all the while just getting caught up in this ridiculous super, like, super villain fight and just being like, what is going on? <laughs> And he goes, drop a hotel on him in the ass to lift the heavy thing. Um, <laughs> Who's your favourite well, incarnation? Craven's last hunt. What am I talking about? Craven's last hunt. Uh, I think you need Craven before that to do for the payoff. It doesn't matter. Craven's last hunt. Fair play. Um, Who's your favourite incarnation of Spider-Man? Character to take the mantle, actor to play him, run of the comics. Um, if we pick an actor to play him, uh, in terms of live action, I think still Tobey Maguire for me at the moment. But that's because I, I'm more attached to his his yeah. version just because I've seen more of him but I really like Tom Holland and I think Andrew Garfield makes a great Spider-Man yeah but his Peter Parker's too sexy I think Tom Holland has the right balance um, favourite the only mm, my favourite Spider-Man is Peter Parker out yeah. of all the Spider-Mans that have been um, yeah same I like Miles a lot but I don't I'm not as familiar with it I'm just not as familiar with I've not read enough Miles um, and all the other Spider-Mans have been a bit mm. um, plus he's not pretending to be the same Spider-Man he's a different Spider-Man yeah so, exactly. Um, he's not. He's not. Spider Man's not really a legacy character in the same way as like a, Batman or Iron Man and yeah. stuff. Um, um, and run of the comics. Uh, not trying to completely like you know kiss his shoes, considering he cameoed for us the other week. But yeah. Dan Slott's run has, has been my favorite um, uh, that I've read of, of Spider Man in particular. Yeah, for me, it's a toss up between JMS and Dan Slott. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, they're both really good. Uh, all the best, Luke. Goodbye, my dear. <laughs> Jesus, that was a long one, Luke. Holy balls, Luke. Oof. Take, take short toilet breaks. Um, <laughs> this one comes in with no uh, name, but it simply says, Jurassic Park. Ooh. Mince. And, and, a, a, and a picture of Alan Patrick. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Nice. I'll accept it. Thank you. I'll accept that. Thank you. Um, Mystery Partridge. Another Luke. Ginger Luke here. Yeah. Just two questions today as my phone is going to die. Oh, and my answer. You you don't... You, <laughs> I know your phone is going to die. Like, you can, te- you can email... The amazing thing about emails is, right, you, you can do it anytime. <laughs> Go home. Charge your phone. Send us a longer one if you want it. If you don't want to send us a longer one, that's fine. But like it, you, what, you what? don't have to send it right now. What I love about this is he's probably having a re-listen right now, and his battery just died before you answered. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, hey, Ginger Luke here. I said that already. If your local theatre was doing a production of the Buffy musical, once more with feeling, and you wanted to be in it, who would you play? Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't know. That's not. A th- I'm not going to answer that question because that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> it's not a play. Uh, it's not a play. It's an episode of television with those characters that are originated by those actors. And it's specific to them. Sweet the demon. Um, his answer. Thanks for your question, Ginger Luke. <laughs> his his answer is Spike or Giles or Xander or basically anyone with Luke, a penis. Apparently, Luke. That that isn't really an answer. I mean, thank you. But but it isn't really. Giles an gets, gets um, the second best song in it after Tara. But, will, you, um, will you ever do a Buffy episode? I imagine we'll do at least one. Oh, at I wouldn't. Point. I would be surprised um, if we went to the grave without having delivered at least seven Buffy-related things. Yeah, yeah, um, I can see that. 
Get one for each season of the television show. Uh, Mince. Cool. Doctor Who was brilliant, wasn't it? Eh, brilliant's a strong word. Um, <laughs> bye. P.S. Two confessions. I really like class and in the forest of the night. Straight to the junk mail folder. That's that. That's perfectly fine if you yeah. if you like him. That, his opinion's not wrong. It's his opinion. Opinions can't be wrong. But straight to the junk mail folder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, we got we got two. No. Um. Jacob. Okay, Jacob. Knows. I feel like we've not heard from Jacob forever. I heard that Jacob um, was sucked into the jaws of the nightmare child. Lucky Jacob. Um, <laughs> hello, Big Bam Cockers. Fair enough. Bringing it out strong with a type. I love it, Jacob. Bringing out strong typos again, once again. Um, I am once again back, bitches, indefinitely this time. Oh. So he was sucked into um, the jaws of the nightmare child. So the end of the BBC's TV's The Doctor Who Series 10, otherwise known as Season 36... No one calls it season 36. Radio Times and does. Fuck off, Radio Times. I'm not Times. even kidding. When Radio Fuck Times lists the episodes, oh, it lists man. them as the series based on the numbering from the original run. It's so strange. I'm not sure if I enjoyed it. I <gasps> think I enjoyed it. Oh? First of all, why could the original Cyberman fly? Yeah, that was stupid. And did all the all-powerful Stephen Moffat kill off the Master by making the Master kill himself slash herself? Yes. Yeah. And why couldn't Bill have just died? To be fair, though, te- well, she did sort of. To yeah. be fair, though, technically Nardo died. Yeah, because like they're gonna get caught eventually. Yeah. Though, uh, though throughout uh, no, the series, they are caught. Throughout the series, I really grew to like him as a character, which I was surprised with, uh, because I really disliked Nardo in the first two episodes he appeared in. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised how much yeah. I liked Nardo by the end of it. Um, other, other than that, I really enjoyed the episode, and I would have been actually surprised by the twist at the end if it hadn't have been spoiled an hour before, before I watched the Ruby episode. But I think the multi-Doctor Christmas special will be a good addition to the unitard of Doctor <laughs> Who. Like a little patch that goes just above the crotch. Um, I went to see my favourite superhero movie of all time the other day, Spider-Man Homecoming. It was so good. It's very good. Tom Holland is by far the best Spider-Man we have ever had and actually looks like a 15-year-old kid high schooler unlike a TV show we all know, watch, known as Class. Nobody watches Class anymore because it doesn't exist. <laughs> but I really, really, really enjoyed it. I think it was another excellent entry into the Marvel Cinematic Unitard. All in all, I thought it was marvellous. See what I did there? I do I do see what you did there. I, I, I just read it. He Everything about it. the movie was great, but I didn't see any setup for the Venom movie. Because they don't want to make... Because this... Because... The MCU folk don't want to make yeah, it. And I don't not blame them. It. So I don't blame them. I, I don't want them to make it. I guarantee this movie was wrapped before Sony decided they were going to do a Venom movie. Um, there is no need for a Venom movie. Oh, before I go, I want to mention Flash Thompson. He was one of the best uh, things about the movie. I think he was exactly like his comic book co- counterpart. I mean, I mean, he wasn't. He, he was true to the spirit of it. In that he was, a, he was a he was a modern but he was a modern version of that bully character. But yeah, I see. I I, I think I get what you're saying. Um, another thing before I say bye. Finally, someone writes high school well. I am currently attending high school, and no joke, it's exactly like it was like portrayed in Homecoming. That sounds about right from what I remember of it. It's a long time ago now, though. Uh, so if you want to know what modern day high school is like, then watch Homecoming. Just go watch Homecoming. It's great. Lots of wet, squishy cuddles. Jacob, Jacob, dry yourself off before you come over here, really. It's it's just... It, I don't want anything just to get damp. Um, Luke again. The other Luke. As in, like, 
the, the original Luke. From is this. he called the other Luke? Yeah, but this email's not quite... Oh, this actually is a really long email. Luke, you're sending really long emails. Um, <laughs> Should we save that one for the next one? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to cut him short, but we can't really fit them all. We can't really fit them all in, can we? Um, let's do... Let's come back to that one next episode, and we'll do... Again, we've got another couple... Another two emails from the same person. So we'll do the first one from Ian... Um, and then we'll have to go and and die in a corner. Um, dear Mr. Chris Day and Mr. Matt Day, congratulations for the year of the biggest damnedest of casts. So will I get a refund for the rolls I was wasted? Yes, because it was free. So have all that free back. Yeah. Um, sorry it took so long as I don't as I don't want to sum up that show. Empress of Mars six out of ten. Eight Years of Light six out of ten. World Enough and Time eight out of ten. Doctor Fall six out of ten. Okay. Um, do I feel S eleven needs to be like S one where there's been a gap for the Chris Marshall incarnation? Well, this was an old email. I actually know. I actually don't know what that means. I'll be quite disappointed if thirteen <laughs> isn't Chris now. Actually, um, which now it wasn't. It's winter, isn't it? People keep saying winter is here, so I assume the new Doctor is called Winter. Um, the map meltdown when Chris dropped that American God's bombshell about National Treasure himself and playing the role has to be my new favourite moment. Sorry for the long email, but now a fact I will never get my emails read out again. I've never seen any Spider-Man movie. Well, that, I just feel bad for you. There's there's six of them and three of them are really good and worth watching. I'm home, home, yeah, yeah. Go and watch a Spider-Man movie. Go watch Spider-Man um, movie, yo. We're gonna we're gonna get back to the, the we've got three more emails to get through. We'll get back to them next week. Where we will have less things to talk about anyway. Um, we'll catch up on your emails and, and your well, tweets. Hang on, no, we won't. San Diego Comic Con will oh, have started. Fuck me. <laughs> We're just going to have to do a long podcast. We are. We're going to have to sit down with a pipe, probably a crack pipe, and just record like you read about in Record Magazine. But we'll have more time to record next week, I think, because of the way our schedules have been this week. Uh, <laughs> I think that's middle of the point, because it's actually past midnight right now when we're recording this, and I have neighbours. Um, and and I have cream to apply. And you have to go home. Do well, I? Well, Chris, no, you, you don't have to go home. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, yo. <laughs> yo. Oh. I'll get the butter, shall I? And I'll cream up the broom. <sighs> Join us That's... next week for another Big Downcast. <laughs> Hit us up on the Big Downcast at Twitter, uh, at Big Downcast, or on the Big Dumb channel on YouTube. We've got loads of stuff coming up. We're going to go now and spoon. We're going to go and play I'm Natasha Henstridge. <laughs> Remember, kids, if you want to play I'm Natasha Henstridge at home, play it safe. <laughs> uh, if anyone gets that reference, I'll buy them a drink. Assuming they're a legal age, of course. Capricorn, I didn't specify the drink. Some of you are far too young to be listening to this. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, we're glad you do. Yeah. But but <laughs> I feel bad. Like we're corrupting the nation's youth or something. With, hey, hey, hey! You must have listened to or watched stuff that you weren't meant to when you were like in your mid-teens. Yeah, like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> when I said what you're not meant to watch, I didn't mean that you came to the seizure warning of one episode. <laughs>
you are actually too old to be watching it. Yeah. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> oh.